Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi there, my name is Alan Lamont. I'm going to bring a message now about the, the truth that everything is deception, <laughs> you know, uh, as in the media, uh, what is really the Catholic-controlled media, you know, the Vatican Jesuit-controlled media all across the earth. It's all a lie. Everything that we are told, you know, the real events, the real reason for those events are never revealed. You know, there is a system that's concealed. It has been for generations. It uh, really consists of Vatican knighthoods. And you have many Vatican knighthoods. And, okay, I'll go through some of them. You have the Knights of the Order of St. John of Jerusalem, otherwise known as the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. Uh, so you also have, uh, and they really govern the United Nations and America. And you have the Knights of Columbus who govern uh, American politics, uh, the police force, uh, really the Senate, the House of Representatives, Congress uh, in America. And different places across the earth have knighthoods that govern those regions. Uh, for instance, Great Britain is ruled by the Order of the Garter. Uh, Spain is the Order of the Golden Fleece. Uh, Italy has many uh, papal bloodlines that govern Italy. And... You have the Brexpear, the Medici, uh, the Farnese bloodline, but there's many others. And, you know, so all that we are uh, told is a complete lie from the media. You know, there's a whole Masonic network as well, which is the lowest level that really governs politics. It governs the banking system, uh, military. Uh, all of these organizations at the lowest level are governed by the Freemasons, uh, the Masonic network. And so all of the wars that we see through history, even the Napoleonic Wars, were created by the Jesuits, they were created by the black popes, and it's the same all through history. Even the First World War, the Second World War, all the wars that we see in, in you know, uh, Iraq and Bosnia and, you know, Iraq again and, and Afghanistan, and all of it is really a painful crusades. That's the thing that really makes me sad, really, when I really... I think you can get to a level where you really do see the whole picture, you know, and it takes time, but once you see it, then it's really sad that millions of people are still deceived in the voting process where they think that they can vote in a president or, for instance, a Democrat or Republicans or, you know, but these candidates are nothing more than Jesuit-trained uh, presidents in America. Primarily, that's what I'm talking about uh, this, this moment here. And in America, really, it's the Georgetown University that governs Washington, D.C. And they're all Jesuit alumni. Joe Biden has honorary degrees from the Jesuits. And you find, you know, Reagan and all of them really are, are controlled by the Jesuit order and uh, the Black Popes, the superior Jesuit generals of the Society of Jesus. 
They govern politics worldwide. Uh, Great Britain is really ruled over through the Crown Corporation, which is the Knight Templar Crown, based at the Temple Church in the uh, Corporation of London. And if you really look at actually the the logo for the inner temple, because there's the middle temple as well, this is really the temple bar, okay? It's the legal system. That's what I'm revealing. But if you look at the logo for the Crown Templars, uh, it's actually a white Pegasus horse, and it's got a sunburst around it, and it's exactly the same as the Jesuit seal. Exactly the same, identical, apart from the horse, of course. Uh, if you look at the Jesuit seal, it has IHS standing for Isis Horrid and Seb, and then you have the sunburst, the spikes and the sunburst, you know, in between them. That's the Jesuit seal. You see the exactly same seal at the, in a temple of London, and uh, I'll put that on this video so you can see it. I'll put it on. And that indicates really that the Temple Crown Bar organization is really ruled by the Jesuit Global Network. So, as I've said, the Jesuits are in every place across the earth, at the heart of every government. They are there. That's why Washington, D.C. even has symbols there of... Uh, the Babylonian Brotherhood, as in to be Pacific, the dome of the Senate, and the obelisk directly in front. Uh, you see the same thing at St. Peter's, you see the dome, and you also see the obelisk there at St. Peter's, all from Egypt, these obelisks, uh, very old, uh, because that's what it is really, it's really Babylonian, Egyptian, uh, Masonic network really, and we also see that at the Thames in London, you see St. Paul's, obviously, the dome, and then you see, you know, just down from that, you see the uh, Egyptian obelisks there again. They're there, the crown city of London. And they're the three cities, or what people call the empire of the city. They're really the three power centers that rule the new world order. So everything that we are given to believe through the media is deception. We've just got to face that reality, you know. I know friends on the internet from America who have been in touch with a lot and they you know, they say, well, Ron Paul, I'm going to vote for, you know, vote for Ron Paul. Ron Paul is a 33rd degree mason. He is a, a man who is really ruled over by Georgetown University and has spoke there, you know, different occasions, as, as they all do, as Clinton does, as a, a Prince Charles, as Obama. Uh, Biden, all of them, you know, uh, everybody, uh, Tony Blair, the, even Rupert Murdoch, and they're all papal knights, Rupert Murdoch is a knight of St. Gregory, he's the media uh, mogul who rules over the uh, uh, media network for the, the Vatican uh, structure, the papal structure all across the earth, but also he has the rights to the NIV, you know, and it's, it's really the Jesuits who are using the media to really uh, just keep people in deception. And there is no candidate that's worthy of election because every candidate, every prime minister uh, in Great Britain, every president is ruled over by Rome. And to give more detail on this, I'm bringing out different types of information I've brought out in all kinds of different videos. So I'm just compiling into one audio here. If you look at uh, even France, you have uh, Francis Hollande, he is from the HAC, it's a Jesuit university, same with Sarkozy, and, you know, so our presidents are trained at, what, at what's called alumni. Alumni is just a Jesuit graduate. Alumni Jesuit universities, 
and they're chosen, you know, to then be positioned in uh, politics, uh, in the media, in the military, in the banking system. And they're also high-level masons, that's the truth. Uh, the most powerful Masonic stronghold on this planet is the Corporation of London. has more lodges than any other city on this earth, and it is the Crown Templar Corporation. The Templars were not destroyed. They rule over the Masonic network. That's their place of influence. And uh, so the Jesuit alumni graduates are our presidents. They are our prime ministers. So, I mean, in, in Britain also, just to explain how the politicians are positioned in Britain, it's not from the crown. It's actually from what's called, a, one of them is the London School of Economics, which is a Jesuit alumni university. And many uh, high-level politicians have come from that. And connected to that is the, the Rhodes Scholarship, which even uh, high-level Jesuit-trained politicians, they're, they're sent from America even to graduate from the Rhodes. And uh, the Fabian Society also is a Jesuit organization in Great Britain. And they you know, rule over the Labour Party, but also they have influence over other political parties. And you will find that there are key uh, politicians in all governments that are really, really, you know, connected to the Roundtable, which is the Bilderberg Group. The Roundtable is really, okay, let me explain. The Roundtable Group is really a network that is used to really govern this whole system. And... Uh, in the round table group, you have uh, politicians like Kenneth Clark, who is always in Parliament. He's always in some cabinet, you know. He'll be gone and he'll return. Same with Mandelson, you know. These men are really high-level Jesuit-trained politicians and also... Uh, but the Bilderberg Group, just to go back to the round table, the round table group has the Bilderbergs, which was created by the Knights of Malta, by Prince Bernard of the Netherlands. You have the Club of Rome, which is overseen by the Jesuits themselves. And you have also the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, all of the people who are uh, positioned into these groups are really uh, you know, educated from either Jesuit universities or Princeton, Harvard, in England, you have Oxford, Cambridge. Uh, but, you know, it's all deception. That's the thing. Everything that we see in the media, everything we hear, it's all a lie. And at some point, we'll have to face that fact and just accept it. You know, there is no politician that you can vote for. That's why I don't vote anymore. I don't even waste my time. Don't bother with it. <laughs> What's the point? Uh, so this is why we need to keep exposing this to give people the truth. And, you know, we've just got to keep at this, really, because people deserve to know the truth especially when the media completely lies through the teeth, you know, and gets away with it. Because billions of people have no understanding. And uh, sure, you know, they look at the low-level organizations, but without understanding the Jesuit Vatican network and the papal knighthood, you'll never, ever connect the dots, ever. You never will. You'll be in a maze. And you'll be lost in that maze. You'll never, ever, ever find a way out of it. You'll always be looking around this corner at this group and this next group. And what about this group? And what about the secret society? What about this? Listen, no, all roads lead to Rome. That's the only way out of this mess. To lead right to the Vatican, St. Peter's. To Babylon the Great. A city that reigns over the kings of the earth, seated on seven hills. 
And uh, as I've said, people have a right to know this information, but we are, you know, dealing with politicians who have no conscience, who have no care for their citizens, who have no care for their constitutions or their laws or their governments. Their vow, uh, their oath is to the superior Jesuit general, the Black Pups, and the Vatican knighthood structures. And there are knighthood structures all across the earth. And they really are ruled over by the monarchies, that's the truth. The monarchies oversee the Vatican knighthoods. Let's make that clear. That's the truth. Uh, for instance, uh, just a classic example of this is uh, King Jean Carlos of Spain a while ago uh, knighted the previous uh, French president, uh, Nicolas Sarkozy, in the Order of the Golden Fleece. That's a Vatican knighthood. You have a king giving a knighthood to a, pres a, prim sorry, a president. Yeah, that's right. A former president. But this is the real world order. This is the truth. And the more that you research, it does sometimes leave you feeling helpless. But then you get strength again because people need to be awakened and people need the truth. They need to be free, really. Free from the mind-controlled media. You know? It's all a lie. Everything you read about history is a lie. Every single thing. You know? Everything's a lie. And that's what people need revelation of. You know, I mean, even the uh, Illuminati, which, I mean, the majority of people exposing the New World Order mention the Illuminati. It's all over, all over YouTube, the Illuminati, the Illuminati. It was founded by Adam Weishat, who was a Jesuit. That's right. Funded by the Baron House of Rothschild, and that was really an engine of destruction and infiltration. The Freemasons are nothing more than... It's just nothing more than a, a Jesuit organization, because they wrote the high degrees, ruled over by Vatican Knights of Rome, who really, the only thing they do is infiltrate. Infiltrate politics, infiltrate governments all across the earth. This is the purpose of Freemasonry, to infiltrate and destroy. Okay, I've got it all off my chest, feel better. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to bring, you know, a real full explanation because I share videos or, and I, I get different revelation on different subjects but on this one I just wanted to just say really you know these evil men have to be exposed they have to be exposed because of what they've done they've deceived millions of people they've murdered millions of people and they are the ones that are standing up there you know demanding that we elect them in office you know they're evil men they're wicked men and they must be exposed and this is why the Jesuit order and the Vatican Global Network is being exposed, and I thank God for that. By men like Eric John Phelps, Craig Oxley, uh, Thomas Richards, and, and many, many other friends that I know that have got their websites. Uh, yeah. All roads lead to Rome. Okay, thanks. All right. That was, of course, what's going to happen a month. There's a lot of good information. The only fault I really, well, outside of his dispensational futurism point of view, uh, is that he keeps on saying it's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> Almost like he's trying to convince himself. Anyways, in the last two recordings today, uh, we've listened to a lot of stuff about uh, the Illuminati, um, uh, controlled media, the presidency. Uh, all sorts of things. And um, 
just wanted to remind everybody when they listen to those, we won't be talking about the Jesuits because we're getting information, different information, folks, who clearly <clears throat> have not studied and researched the Bible and have not come to terms with the fact that the fourth and final empire is the Roman Empire, not the Jews, not the Freemasons. But these Templar Freemasons are the ones that do control your media, your presidency, uh, your governments, uh, and of course... There's an element, a Jewish element, it's Zionist, Freemasonry, whatever they call it, uh, British Zionism, whatever. And that's part of it, and there's the front that everyone sees and hears about, but they are subordinate to these uh, people, knights, knighthoods, and Jesuits, and Rome. Well, or else they would not be existing. So anyways, the next couple uh, things that we're going to listen to um, was a bit of swearing. I apologize. It's this, now, swearing's not coming from me. It's from them. Uh, Johnny, he makes an attempt to uh, at least bleep it out. <laughs> but uh, still important information to be heard. I think Johnny just had a recent recording of this day that can be playing, and there's uh, some good stuff in it. And then, um, and he has made comments, interesting comments about Eric DeBay, and also about Eric Phelps, Eric John Phelps, and Eric uh, John Phelps' white racism. And, uh, you know, I, past week I've been playing his stuff, maybe in the past month I've been playing some of his stuff, but the past week I've been playing stuff that exposes his... Uh, uh, not only his knowledge of uh, pre- the Jesuits, which is extremely valuable knowledge, but the fact that he's a white supremacist, and he flat out admits that, and that you know we as uh, followers of the way, the truth, and the life, our Lord and Savior Yeshua, the Messiah, and Jesus the Christ, um, need to uh, come to terms with this. Unfortunately, there's not too many contemporary voices out there that are as loud as Eric Phelps. And we have to, and I don't believe that Eric Phelps is, you know, I used to, there was a time I used to believe that he was a disinformation agent himself. I really don't believe that. I really believe that his character flaw is that he's a white group supremacist. He's a racist. You know, some people, their problem is that they have anger. Other people uh, uh, their lust takes over them, and they're you know a bit of a pervert or whatever it may be. We all have challenges to overcome. Clearly, that Eric Phelps has not been challenged too much about his white supremacy issues, and I really just believe that he, he believes this stuff. And the irony of irony is, we have a white supremacist or a racist who is an extremely good teacher about telling us about the Jesuits. We're gonna have to deal with that. <laughs> at least in this show I mean if you're going to listen to my show we're going to have to deal with that it's not always going to be Eric Phelps but for a while more maybe for another week or two we're going to be listening to Eric Phelps because just face it he gives us chunks of information that help fill in the picture and uh, where nobody else is capable of doing that and so we're going to have to swallow some crow here and listen to his white racist ranting. And, we you know, it's we're not here to idolize any of these people that we listen to. 
or here to learn the truth, right? So, and we all have our flaws. I'm sure if you ever got a chance to meet me, you'd probably be disappointed. Um, it's the way it is. You know, nobody's perfect, and everybody has their issues. So. And Eric Phelps' issue is he's a racist, <laughs> and he's a uh, future dispensationalist. He's, he's skewed in his understanding of the scriptures, in my opinion, and based on what I read in the scriptures, there's nothing that validates his pro state of Israel thing. Um, and um, his, he's still has some rustling with his idolatry, as we all do. And part of his idolatry is a state idolatry. He still believes in something that wasn't so in the past, a dream, a fantasy of what with this country or this corporation that we live in called the United States of America once was. <clears throat> and uh, let's face it, we don't live in a Christian country. There are Christians, thank goodness, there's a few of us that live in this country. Let us break away from our illusions, our delusion that we live in a Christian country. No, we don't, unfortunately. Looks like there's no such thing. Anyways, we don't have to agree with everything. And in fact, you know, even Johnny, you know, you know, the fact of the matter is, I, what do I do? I don't agree with everybody that I share everything they say, but I think it's worth it listening to what they say. So my hope, my prayer is that people don't get confused with the message that they hear something that contradicts maybe what I say, but they say it, or they say something opposite that I say. Um, you know, people have a right. You know, if I really believe in freedom of conscience, self-expression, then I have to allow people to disagree with me about stuff. Even if they will not allow that for myself, I still have to allow that for them. And so even Johnny, we're going to listen to Johnny, and he's a little bit, <clears throat> he's still struggling with a few issues about things. So, But so am I, so it's not a reason not to listen to him or condemn him. Or not to learn from them, so or not to support them, so who knows? Just face it, look at us, look at our own journey, our own lives, how God has changed us and woke us up in certain issues. And for me to assume that I have everything down and figured out it would be pretty arrogant, self-righteous myself. So, anyways, the next one is going to be called Mind Control and the Jesuit Media. It's a short six-minute one. And the guy will be giving you some very good information. Unfortunately, he has to swear at it because he's really upset. <laughs> and he's figuring something out about the media and how it's controlled by the Jesuits. So anyways, here we go. with Destruction by Design on June 1st, 2015. Today I wanted to show you how the media downplays the truth and uses it and confuses the people and uses it as mind control. Okay, these are real people with real emotions and then they're taking at those people, those actual people that are, that are told to, to voice their concern. This is how skank CNN is and Fox and the rest of them. They took these real people's concerns. They asked them questions about the country. And then later on, they played them back, and then they laughed about it. This is, this is sick. This is what they do. This is how they turn around the truth and how 
everybody's so confused, and this is why people don't know what's going on and won't listen to some people and call you crazy, because the mind control of the media is outrageous. The Jesuits that control this thing have got this thing down to a T. If you don't take your head out of your butt, man, I'm telling right now, your ass is great. These people are going to come down on the American people eventually. They're going to pull some shit on us, I'm telling you. They've been doing it since the beginning of time, and then blaming it on everybody else, and, and then we get mad at each other. But this is how they mind control you. Just pay attention to what this, this little skit from Steve Scully, Scumbag Scully, okay, that's his new name now, all right, because listen to this shit. You're almost through the TV out the window. All right, that's how much I didn't give a shit about this television because of what I felt about this goddamn story. And this is some serious shit. I want you to pay attention to how they downplay the truth. These are real people with real emotions. They were asked questions that they thought they were sincere about. And then they later on found out, I'm assuming it's all of them. And they later on took those answers and made it into a joke when they weren't there to defend themselves. That's who these people are. Everything is fake in the media, and they're ruining the world. Because why? We keep watching them, and we're not paying attention to the real message. That's my message. My message is this. You want to see a real message? This is what they do with real people with real concerns. You ready to fucking laugh? Because I'm not. And finally, C-SPAN's veteran journalist Steve Scully suddenly gaining a bit of fame. He is how the John Oliver's show is now describing Scully. The most patient man on television endures the American public. I don't know what's going on in this world right now. Obama's a Muslim, and as are they say. Uh, Obama is not a Muslim, but thank you for making your comment. You neocon Jews are behind all of this. The Jews that run the, the media. This is how we can defeat special forces. Similar to Rainbow. I don't know enough about the military. Endures the American public. I don't know what's going on in this world right now. 
Apollo is a Muslim, as I just said. is not a Muslim, but thank you for making a comment. Zionist neocon Jews are behind all of this. The Jews that run the media, they should probably be special forces. General Chief Rainbow, I don't know enough about the military. Just scare them off, get them off, a good head off, and that's it. That's done. Okay. How do you want to go to the do nothing? It's free time. Okay. That's what brings us to idiocracy. Okay. So it's already grew up with a family of 12 kids hearing opinions ranging from Rush Limbaugh to Rachel Maddow that he's used to. He's not hearing all kinds of viewpoints, but if someone crosses a line with derogatory language, they're out of there. First of all, he says his kids out there in school because he's on John Oliver. You see how screwed up that is? There's, there's the kicker for you, man. He had to get that one in there to mind control you and seal the deal for you. His kids think he's cool now. He's assuming that you think it's cool for people to take the absolute truth and bury that shit in a comedy act. Man, this is sick. I swear to God, if you people can't get this straight, that these people are fake, and their, and their agenda is to do nothing but to spread the fear and the fakeness and the bullshit and the psyops and all the shit that distract you. This is Chris Archer. You can dominate like they did this by design. Have a good day. Well, he had kind of a point. Anyways, uh, the next one will be Johnny. We're going to be skipping a couple minutes of this show because uh, the music and all that kind of stuff is cool, but and then he's talking about something in particular. But we'll listen as much. Maybe we'll listen. I don't know if we'll listen the whole thing, but uh, sounds like he's kind of following in line with some of the stuff I've been talking about over the week. So it might be uh, interesting to hear his point of view. And then we'll go from there. So here we go. It's Johnny. Capture ready. And Gary Stearman will not allow you to go through a single sitting with him unless you get the Jesuit chloroform, the pre-tribulation rapture, 50 times in a sitting. If he's not fully co-opted, oh, and he left, he was kicked off of Prophecy in the News. To this day, I have no idea what he did. Um, but I think... He's a questionable individual, and maybe they got wind of something. And now he's on Skywatch. The fact that Horn names this endeavor Skywatch in and of itself is extremely suspicious because it fixates and focuses on the exotic stupidity of aliens, even if Horn is telling you that they're, they're demons. It's still distracts you from who is really ruling the world, the whore of Babylon, Rome, and their satanic special forces, the Jesuits. And now, each new alternative media, Christian alternative media personality, that gets pulled into Skywatch, is getting co-opted. Not that they were a a voice of exposing the Jesuits in the first place. But now more than ever, their agenda, 
will be the agenda of Skywatch TV. And I'm extremely suspicious, suspicious of the entire enterprise. The most effective means of distraction is to bring you right to the doorstep of the truth and then push you through the wrong window. Tom Horn will blow a bunch of smoke about how this could be the final, the final pope, the, the, the Antichrist, but he won't hit it too hard, and he won't give any of the critical information that y'all get from myself, Eric John Phelps, Walter Veith, names, places, dates, just how much the whore of Babylon controls every single part of this country. You mad that the sodomites now have legal marriage everywhere in this country? Blame the sixth Roman Catholic Supreme Court puppet justices and the three left-wing, as Phelps would call them, people court Jews that sit on the Supreme Court. That is the way that they dictate their satanic agenda to destroy America, literally dictate rule of the few, rule of the handful. Right after that turd, Roberts decided that commie care was constitutional. He ran off to the island of Malta. I shared that with you. Hold on, I'll look it up. Yeah, there's a bunch of different sites that carry it. 2012, Roberts joked, I'm headed to the island fortress of Malta, impregnable island fortress. Ha, ha, ha. I need to get, well, to get, you, you, you piece of shit. You papal traitor scum. You better pray there isn't a revolution in your lifetime, you scum. You're not going to hear Tom Horn say anything about that. From, from the very beginning of this country, the, the Carroll family that created Jesuit Georgetown, that the Carroll, uh, it, was, it was John Carroll who was a Jesuit that founded their home for boys. The Jesuits love the boys. They love to, to rear young boys and uh, take good care of them, as they did in, in Boys Town, and made these, these poor kids sex slaves through CIA mind control, the Luciferian scum that they are. And it's funny that as, di- as deep as the fringe might dig, these uh, white knights like John DeCamp, the Nebraska state senator, who just happened to be personal friends with CIA director, I believe it was William Colby, if I'm not mistaken, just happened to be friends. So they'll take you right up to the doorstep of young boys being raped and mind-controlled by these sodomite sleaze, but never tell you that the epicenter of the Franklin cover-up was Boys Town, the Catholic home for orphan boys, made famous by the outrageous whitewash 1938 movie with Spencer Tracy and Mickey Rooney. So that's what all the fraud, that's what's different about this show. 
I'm going to go right to the heart of the dragon. These other turds, these other turkeys, at the bare minimum, are going to be self-serving. They're going to come up with a new exotic topic for their paranormal variety show. And I'll bet that most of them are being encouraged by the whore herself to do just that. So who can you trust to get the truth? Well, as long as trust follows up with your own research, you certainly can trust me. I'm going to give you names, places, and dates that you're going to look up yourself. And really beyond me, well, of course, if there's anything I'm getting wrong, I'm not tracking it because then I'd fix it. But I would say that the knowledge of my neighbor, the, the three named Eric John Phelps, is phenomenal. His most critical flaw, a couple of flaws, but his most critical flaw, is he's a devout racist. A shocking racist, a white supremacist. How are you going to spread truth from underneath a KKK hood? He's got it on the, on the title of his book, White People and the White Race and the fourth to everything, he, every other sentence is the 14th Amendment. Hey, we hate the 14th Amendment because it gave black American citizenship. And then they'll skew it and, and, and spin it to, to make it sound like, well, it was actually about federal citizenship, and that's how they trap you. with fed- No. No, you're a sick racist. And I'll tell you something else. I, I mentioned this a little bit in the last show. I remember how much of this that I got into. I'm pretty sure I called the premier authority on flat earth facts, Eric Dubay. I called him on being also a shocking, retarded racist. Now, this is somebody who knows that the Jesuits are behind the lie of our globe-earth heliocentric matrix, particularly really the Vatican started it, and the Jesuits are finishing it. Nicholas Copernicus was a Vatican mathematician. They, they played this psyop on us through history that, oh, they persecuted these brave men of science that were actually their puppets, like Galileo, and then finally had to succumb to the strength of their science that they actually wasn't science, isn't science, and they manufactured in the first place. So I'm at the point now where I am completely washing my hands of Eric DeBay. I don't know who else. The only other people that you can really trust is to go back into the 1800s when this was a big debate. I would still say I, I've almost finished this book. I don't know if I have the stomach to finish it now because this son of a bitch, I called this on his retarded, mindless blaming of the Jews. And he doubled down and put out a video on how misunderstood Hitler is. I see you not. So he's done. 
absolutely done. Wash my hands of them. If you have a heart for him, please continue to keep him in prayer. But he's jumping off the cliff as far as I'm concerned. He already sounds like a burnout anyway. So it's going to be easy for me not to listen to him anymore, which doesn't really help our cause. I don't know how I put it together. He's got a phenomenal book. Um, it's not really well organized as far as giving you key points where you can look things up. Not, no table of contents, no index, nothing. He published it himself and it shows. And I'm saying that as someone who also had to publish my own work. But at least I have a, an exhaustive table of contents with subtopics in it. Just to give you a general feel, hey, did you, was it, was it aliens? Was it Obama? Was it Oliver Cromwell? Whatever it is, there's, there's index points where you can get through my book and, and probably find what you were looking for. So beyond me, there's Eric KKK Phelps. And beyond him, Really, the only other people that are talking about the whore right now are a handful of Seventh-day Adventist pastors, teachers, and preachers. Now, I've been listening to a lot of Adventist teaching. So far, I do not see anything dramatically doctrinally wrong with them. My biggest concern is how they became a sect in the first place, following messianic figures like William Murray and Ellen G. White. And honestly, I haven't done a lot of research in it, but it smells of the same the Jesuits pulled with their Freemason foot soldier scum to create Mormonism and really to create Islam as well. So I have a sneaking suspicion that they're behind the creation of the Seventh-day Adventists, which is hilarious because right now the Adventists are the only remaining Protestants that are still protesting. The same thing that happened with the Muslims. They created the Muslims to be their, their puppets and win back Jerusalem and Israel, and the Muslims went into Jerusalem and kept it. Oh, need to interject here a little bit, because obviously I've done a lot of research on the Seventh-day Adventists because of my experience through this show. And it's clear as day through Freemasonry, Templar Freemasonry, uh, that they did create Seventh-day Adventists. As far as doctrinally goes, yes, they have some big issues. They still want to burden you under uh, legalism. And I know my defense of people who listen to my show, but um, that's the way it is. I mean, read the New Testament all the way through. Not, don't piecemeal it. Read it all the way through. Not because what the group says, but what the actual book says, the Word of God. Um, and the other thing is, too, clearly... I understand Johnny's frustration. He's very frustrated. He feels a little bit alone and isolated. Hey, that's how I feel. <laughs> but uh, it's not true that they're the only quote-unquote Protestants um, protesting. 
but you know because the of the internet and because of the money the purse strings and just remember that Seventh-day Adventists themselves, those who are honest, admit that the Jesuits infiltrated their church at a hierarchy. So there's a reason why they dominate the Internet. And it's not because of the other voices. You just have to keep looking. There's many voices still out there. Uh, let me rephrase that. There's still a few voices out there. <laughs> and yes, he's right. To understand your presence, you have to go back into history. You have to read some books, listen to some books, um, and you start to realize that, yeah, it's been the same old story for a very, very long time. And they just, because of uh, Rome dominating the media, uh, the education system, um, politics, uh, through their uh, education system, through learning against learning, their Jesuit sophistry and casuistry, um, and their complete control over all denominations of any significance. The whole spectrum, whether it's quote unquote Protestants, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh day Adventists, uh, Lutherans, Methodists, goes on and on, Presbyterians. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some more significant ones. Um, then we look at the, they've taken over Eastern, looks like the Eastern Orthodox Church, and they have a stranglehold on Confucianism and uh, uh, what's the other one? Well, the other ones from the East. They really have. They're masterful at infiltrating, taking over things. So, you know, in order to find the truth, I really believe, uh, you know, if you're here listening, whether you believe it or not, the Spirit of God is prompting you to, to listen to this show, shows like my show, to uh, wake you up to the truth, what's really going on in this world. <clears throat> and I'm totally convinced at this point he's not asking you or anybody to go door to church. Counter-Reformation has been going on for 500 years, and they have succeeded. We're in a time period in, man, in the history of mankind when believers and followers of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, it's in the Word, and what's really going on, where it's going to be one of us here, another, one, another person over there, maybe a little group here or there. It's not about a formal organization. It never was anyways. It's all been... You know, people like to call it paganizing the the church. Well, it's actually Romanizing church because Roman Catholic Church is a pagan church. <laughs> it has a thin veneer of Christianity. Not to say that there's not quote unquote Christians in the Roman Catholic Church. My hope and my prayer is, and I hear all day people coming out and people that are in there who understand who Jesus is, but are still stuck in their own delusions under mind control. From their church, for pressure from others and everybody else, and all the other things that uh, overwhelm us. But I just wanted to comment that, you know, my brother Johnny has a right to his opinion. And I have a right to my opinion, I disagree on some of the issues. I do agree with him. Eric Phelps is a racist, and we're really in a dilemma. Because he's the loudest voice out there 
And, you know, he's articulate. He knows how to communicate. He's doing the research. And I don't believe that he's controlled opposition. I don't believe that he's uh, – I believe he's just flat out a racist. That's his sin. That's his that's cross that he's bearing. You know, some of us are – like I said, some of us have – we all have our issues. And he's a flat-out racist. <laughs> that's what he is. So what do we do about this? Because I, from my own research, and then hearing what he has to say, there are other people that say my own research, pretty much most of what he says about the Jesuits and what's going on is right on. Now, his interpretation of the Bible is way off, and his interpretation about the state of Israel is way off. It's not, I don't believe that it's of God. I believe it's of Rome. Um, and I can't find anything in the Scripture to really justified except something way back in the Old Testament that I'd be talking about, you know, 2,000 years ago, not today. Um, what do you do? All I do is I hope that you know, people who have been listening to my show, who have been downloading at least 400 shows, of, that will, along with me, develop discernment to be able to recognize when we're hearing something that's true and when it's something that's not. And that we can... Uh, you know, take that, that which is true and use it, and that which is not, throw it out. And uh, I think uh, as, as Christians and as people in general, we make a dreadful mistake by, you know, oh, well, we can't listen to someone because, uh, well, 90% of it's true, but that 10% is false. Therefore, he's a false teacher. I was about the greatest labels that they ever gave people. You know, at this point, if you're not, who isn't a false teacher? I mean, look, we've all been suffered, we've suffered under this Jesuit educational system. You don't have to be, actually, you know, be raised in the Roman Catholic Church or going to a Jesuit uh, was it, uh, parochial school or, you know, high school, etc., to receive a Jesuit education. If you are publicly educated in public school system, you received a Jesuit education. So, we've been all poisoned by it, every single one of us. And so it's really, it's, it's almost like our generation it seems to be the most important responsibility we have at this point is to literally, in a, maybe in a biblical sense, but not but to disrespect the Bible at all, but uh, to separate the wheat from the chaff. Now, we're not talking about people now. We're talking about the truth that's out there. Man, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things that we all believe in that's just not quite right. I mean, after listening to the past couple of recordings, if you get a chance to, if you haven't, uh, about the Mars landing and about these uh, rovers, now that's pretty much proven at this point that they never went to Mars, they can't go to Mars, and that they're doing it in uh, studios and some places in the, in the Arctic. And they keep on screwing up. Or I think what they're doing, this is my, my hunch at this point, is most few of us, as few of us are really driven to know the truth, will find it, will find videos or photos of supposedly uh, Mars where there's a, a lemming sitting there or the skeleton bones of a walrus or, uh, you know, wood, we'll find it. They know that. And I don't think they really care. I think it's almost like a game for them. 
to preoccupy people like us. Because um, then they know that 99% of the, of the, the world's not going to care. We could care less. Let's face it. <laughs> people don't, you know, we're so occup- preoccupied with our day to day troubles and worries in life that most people don't just don't care. I really do believe, you know, if, even if you're a person like I was a few years ago or didn't believe in the Bible or in God at all, <clears throat> that you're probably here because something is driving you to know the truth. You might find the show a bit entertaining in a sick way, uh, but I think really if you're listening to a show like mine, it's because you really wanted the truth. You know, give me the meat. Give me the substance. Who really cares what Mike Adams' opinion is? Just give me the information, right? And um, so that's what I try to do most of the time with the show. Anyways, we'll get back to listening to Johnny Sarucci, which I like. I like him a lot as a person. I think that he, I like his feistiness. I like the fact that he's a fighter. Um. You know, I don't see anything necessarily wrong with that. But, uh, you know, we don't all have it all figured out. So, But he's right about Eric. I mean, Eric Phelps doesn't even hide it. He says he's a white supremacist. So what do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? Do we say, oh, we can't listen to him? I know there's an embarrassment factor in all this, too, because if you were listening to him, learning from him, and then we mention that to somebody else and they know that he's racist, then it's a dilemma for us, isn't it? It is a dilemma. But fortunately, once you start researching on your own, you realize that as far as Eric Phelps' understanding of the Jesuits, it's not not his original, authentic understanding. He's just taking it from other people, like Kubano on it, just like the rest of us. Anyways... Let's listen to more of what Johnny has to say. Which forced, who was it, Urban the first, Urban the second, to start the Crusades? So unless they're quoting these creepy messianic figures like Murray or Ellen White, they really, they, they go... When they do quote her, they they give her this creepy messianic status. Now, the the Branch Davidians are an offshoot of the Adventists, and it was the same process. A messianic whack job named Victor Hutef created the Branch Davidians based on the Seventh-day Adventists, and within the Branch Davidians, we had... David Koresh. Now, even though they were wacky and probably bordered on a cult, I want you to remember who targeted them to be plowed under and burned alive. It was Willie Jesuit trained at Georgetown Clinton and his gender indeterminate Department of Injustice freak Janet Reno and make no mistake they were targeted and that is why they were targeted because the Adventists are the last remaining Protestants now I've also been told I haven't verified this 
but the premier preacher in the Adventist circles, one that I listen to a lot, troll his stuff on, on the Internet, YouTube and so forth, Professor Walter J. Veith, V-E-I-T-H, I believe it is. Really good stuff. Hits the Jesuits right where it hurts. And solid. I mean, right down the line, talks the perfect mix of Jesuits controlling Freemasons, guided by Luciferian sun worship, the full big picture that you'll get here as well. I've been told that he's like started his own church, maybe left the Adventist. It's all good. I, I haven't seen anything outside of their crazy, almost crackpot dedication to the Saturday Sabbath. Now, they have a solid point on how the Whore of Babylon fulfilled Daniel, I believe it's Daniel 2, on the Antichrist changing times and epochs and dates. It was a Jesuit, Christopher Clavius, that changed the Julian to the Gregorian calendar, and, and, and it was calendar, and it was Julius Caesar that created the Julian calendar, all pagan, all pagan that altered how we view our times and dates to fixate us on Satan, on Luciferian sun worship, and particularly Clavius had to change things to help suit the new heliocentric low birth lie. So it really is just more annoying than it is wrong how the Adventists just constantly fixate. Look, that Scripture says very clearly, Colossians tells you very clearly, all that stuff, even the Sabbath, is a shadow. It's a shadow of Christ. All of the Hebrew feasts, I highly recommend experiencing as many of the Hebrew feasts as you can, minus the sacrifices, the animal sacrifices. First of all, because there's no temple. Second of all, because there's no temple is a judgment on the house of, house of Israel for denying the Messiah, and rightfully so. But understand that every page of the Old Testament, every Hebrew feast breathes Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaNazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach. There's been a couple of times in my family where I have actually led a Passover Seder. Really didn't know what I was doing, but we followed the Haggadah and did the best we could, and, and it was powerful. I personally have a serious issue. The only time I have ever ever allowed a baby animal to be brought into my home to be consumed was to honor Jesus Christ. Some of the most disgusting, despicable practices in the world, in fact, in direct abrogation of, of Leviticus, there's a passage in Leviticus that talks about boiling it, you sick... <laughs> and Anyway... Boiling a kid in its mother's milk is specifically forbidden. 
because that's the Luciferian satanic scum, Canaanite scum. To this very day, veal, if you eat veal and have no concept of how they abuse these, these baby animals, these young animals, and consider it a delicacy, anyway, the entire system, the entire system, did you ever see a, 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 a chicken truck go by on the highway? You see how small those cages are? I'm telling you, when the revolution happens and whatever I'm in charge of, you better not have anything to do with the industrial slaughter and consumption of animals. I will do to you what you put those animals through. All right, and let me bring it back to the Adventists. And at some point, you know what, I'll, I'll try and cover the Jews as well. Because to this very day, my thoughts on them and on prophecy and on scripture are still, I would say, maturing. I am now more than ever beginning to see the modern existence of Israel as a Luciferian tool. More, more a Luciferian tool than having a divine purpose. The only unfulfilled passage that I'm tracking of the Israelites is a mass humbling before Christ and basically just one last revival, which the nation of Israel, the corporate nation of Israel, does make a little easier but really everything else is completely Luciferian. The Luciferians own that country through the through Freemasons and it makes people shit themselves. You got the Fox News watching conservatards, God love them. Their heart is in the right place, but their heads are up their ass. And they want to see Israel rule the world. And I understand it. I understand it, but I think that it's immature, spiritually, biblically immature. And then you have the other side of the spectrum being spurred by the Whore of Babylon of these Nazi, Muslim, racist shills, so many of them are, provocateurs, coadjutors, that want to push the Israelis right off into the Mediterranean. No balance. No balance on the topic. And because of the instant emotions that get pulled up, people disconnect their brains. So to round out the names besides me that can help you, Eric John KKK Phelps, as long as you understand that every once in a while he's got to put his hood on. Really, he's, he leaves me in the dust when it comes to names, places, and dates. I'm still learning from him. Names, places, and dates I'm looking up for myself. you got good old Walter Veith. Whether he remains an adventist or not, uh, I'm not sure. Another good name that will frequently bring up the Jesuits, a little bit more politically correct. He's he's a tactful pastor. He doesn't want to get too extreme on you. Doug Batchelor, pretty good guy. I've uh, really 
outside of a long time ago, I saw some crazy teaching of his about how hell it. I hate to tell you this, but Johnny's wrong about Doug Bassler. He hasn't quite figured him out yet. Doug Bassler does not tell you the whole truth. He is the head of the Cincy Adventist Church, the main body, and he is co-opted, and he is controlled by the Jesuits. And so he tells you a little bit, but remember, he's mixing it with his theology, his eschatology, and he's trying to evangelize you, convincing you that you have to belong to his religion. That, by the way, is controlled by the Jesuits. I warned you. He's really not that great of a source. But this is turning out to be a very interesting uh, listen and commentary on because Johnny has some good things to say, and I can see where he's at. And I think he's learning now about a little more of the... How do I say this? The Counter-Reformation, what has actually happened. And there's all these different groups out there. Uh, Walter Veith, uh, he's still something Adventist. Um, he's been kind of ostracized. Um, some say, yeah, I, I think he might be in part of the Reformed Simpsay Adventist branch in South Africa. And he does have a lot of good things to say, but you're going to remember... <clears throat> What's the motive behind all these people sharing you this stuff? Do they care for you to actually know the truth? Not really. It's, it's a tool for them to evangelize you to, have them, so you to join their church. See? And you might say, well, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That seems reasonable. Until you understand that all these churches are under the influence control of the Society of Satan, the Jesuits, and that they're, once again, trying to put you in bondage. You see, what the problem with the group is, is you're, you're not allowed to think. You know, think for yourself. You know, Christ, what he gave for you, not only eternal salvation, but he also gave you freedom of conscience, freedom of thought. And the group doesn't want you to really have that. I know this personally because I tried. I really wanted to actually one time join the Seventh-day Adventist when I was learning about the Jesuits and all that. And I went to all these different churches, not too many in my neighborhood, in my neck of the woods, but I went to them, and none of them, I'm going to tell you, none of them were talking about the Jesuits, the the Counter-Reformation, Rome, the Antichrist. In fact, they weren't even talking out of the Bible. The truth of the matter is that the 99% of what is the, what we call the Seventh-day Adventist isn't anything like it was 150 years ago, better or worse. <clears throat> and um, they've been usurped. They're a corrupt institution, in my opinion. And just because some, see, so what they've done to evangelize, they have these meetings, these uh, guys like Walter B go around and have these, you probably find one in your city or your town at some type point, scheduled where they will teach you this stuff with the whole intention to get you to become a Tiffany Adventist. And they'll try to convince you that, you know, you're not a real Christian unless you keep the Sabbath. 
But the problem is, you know, true, the truth, the test Sabbath is based on what the seventh day of the week. It wasn't based on the Gregorian calendar. If you study the true history of the Sabbath, which takes some time, you have to filter out all the Seventh-day Adventists, and you have to start finding some folks, you're going to find it was based on a lunar calendar. You and I don't live on a lunar calendar, and guess what? God knew that was going to happen. That's why he relieved us from that burden of a day of the week. You see, it's not nothing to do with Sunday or Saturday. At this point, God knew that we're supposed to worship him in spirit and truth. He gave us the new two, the two commandments, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? We fail desperately at that, don't we? If we're really honest about it. So why burden yourself with more stuff? Well, they say, well, does that mean if you don't keep the Sabbath, then does that mean it's all right for you to steal and rob? Of course not. The stealing and robbing has anything to do with loving your neighbor? It's a ridiculous argument. And it's a ridiculous argument to say that Rome and Catholics, the Vatican changed the calendar, because it was changed long before that. You see, we for a very almost two thousand over two thousand years, those of us who have been are that are subject to the Roman Empire which pretty much means about everybody in this, in this world at this point, has not lived under the lunar calendar, God's calendar. We haven't. But we will argue and fuss and say, well, if you don't keep the Sabbath or you don't keep Sunday or if you don't do this or that, you're not a Christian. That's not what Christ said. That's not his teaching. If you read the New Testament all the way through in context, which you'll find all these groups, not a single one of them does it. They cherry-pick one verse that justifies their position, and they cherry-pick another verse. If you read it in all contexts, none of the things that you're seeing, or at least 90% of what you're hearing, what is called Christianity today, you never find it. Not the word God. That puts you in a real dilemma if you're really or somebody wants to know the truth. Because that means, once again, one more group, one more organization, one more body of people that I have to separate from. It's real drag. But he did say in Revelations, come out of her, my people. And it wasn't just talking about the Roman Catholic Church. It was also talking about the daughter churches and the Roman institution. And there's only so much that we can do because we're all slaved under it. But we can make a choice in how we're going to follow God. God's way or man's way? Agree with me or not, that's okay. But if one reads the Bible honestly, with new filters, honest filters, a filter of wanting really want to know the truth is, and not really about whether or not I appease anybody else, but God, you're going to come around with a, come with a different understanding. So let's go back and listen to what Johnny had to say, huh? Oh, isn't forever, and uh, I don't recall the details. It it bugged me. It bugged me because it shook my conventional understanding. But it's been a while. I haven't seen it in a while. It's really, I'm, I'm cool with it either way. I'm saved. I don't have to worry how long it is. Another guy that I've seen a little bit of information on, Bill Hughes, Seventh-day Adventist pastor. 
he has a sit-down interview. You can look it up. It's still on YouTube. Great interview. Lots of details on the Jesuits. So, there it is. Don't forget that report, Bill. Yes, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. of John High Papal Traitor Scum Roberts, who was selected by President George Bush number 43 of the Bush Nazi crime family, royal ruling elite. You know, good Protestant revolutionaries under Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell, hero of the British Civil War, cut the heads off of papal ruling elite scum like Charles I. The whore of Babylon returned after they murdered Cromwell. First they assassinated his daughter and they got to him. Read my book. And they took England, they quickly took England back. And we fought a revolution to free ourselves of the War of Babylon and her royal ruling elite. And they have returned today. And as a result, we have communist, democrat, demon rat, leftist scum, like the Dud family, Connecticut Senator Thomas Dud, who used the Jesuit CIA slaughter of John F. Kennedy to institute his 1968 Gun Control Act, which was patterned almost word for word from the 1938 Nazi Gun Control Act. That's right, Nazi Germany. Almost word for word. And after Daddy Dud had spent decades defiling this country, Baby Dud, Chris Dud, came in and took over as a representative for decades. Helped cause the housing bubble to burst. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Baby Dad was behind all that. Where is he now? He's president of the Motion Picture Association, carrying on his papal duties to make sure the Jesuit smoke gets blown up your ass. On the other side of the spectrum, we have Pretend Fox News reptilian scum like Harpy Lisa Murkowski, who stole her Senate seat from Joe Miller. Now, I'm not saying that Joe Miller is tracking the New World Order, but you'll get pretty good, basic, right minded information from him and his website. But Lisa had to have that Senate seat because that was Daddy's Senate seat. Frank Murkowski, and we have a royal ruling elite in this country. And you better bet that seat was stolen for her. 
so she could do what she's told. You have the hardcore communist left and the fake, false reptilian right. Real patriots doing what's best for Americans, for America, and for the Constitution are not allowed to come close to the seats of power. So John Papal scum high trader Roberts, did you know that he's also Opus Dei? Oh, yeah. Opus Dei. There's a lot of interesting links in Opus Dei. Joe Paterno, coach of the Nittany Lions that helped cover up the pedophile little boy sex slavering of assistant coach Jerry Sandusky. Sandusky was given an award for doing such a great job with his Second Mile Foundation by Pennsylvania Senator Arts Catholic Rick Santorum, also a member of Opus Dei. Santorum led Kansas Senator Sam Brokeback to his conversion to Roman Catholicism. Now, I told you again and again that the world intelligence agencies, especially the intelligence agencies in this country, the NSA, that just happens to be headquartered in the Catholic colony of Maryland, the FBI, founded by arch-Catholic Charles Bonaparte, not-too-distant nephew of papal puppet Napoleon Bonaparte. What a coincidence that. The OSS, founded by high traitor scum William Knight of Malta Donovan, from 93 to 2001, the FBI was directed by Louis J. Free, papal puppet scum, also a member of Opus Dei. And if I'm not mistaken, Louis' Opus Dei controller, a priest by the name of Robert Bucciarelli, was also the controller of FBI traitor and saboteur Philip J. Hansen. Also, Opus Dei. Now, they spin this as Hansen confessing to Bucciarelli. And somehow, Bucciarelli was the hero in this all. But what really goes on is that the worst traitor scum in this country bowed to Rome. And because this country was blessed to be so powerful, be the lone superpower. Enemies had to be manufactured for us to help kill our young men and drain us of our finances. And part of that manufacturing process was to give them our secrets. So high papal trader scum like Opus Dei Philip Hansen were linked up with their high trader papal scum in the KGB to work together. And any time you see the CIA and the KGB or the, today the FSB 
or the OSS and the NKVD working together when they're supposedly arch enemies. That's your clue. They're being controlled by a higher power, a higher authority, the whore of Babylon, Rome. Oh, she turned me into a newt. A newt. The quickest links I could throw together on Hanson, Santorum, and all those other papal traitor scum came up from the daily communist coast, which is itself co-opted. But the commie foot soldiers don't know that the heads were placed there by the whore. So just look, look this stuff up. Go to Satan's official search engine, Google. Actually, sometimes the really hardcore papal queries don't show up. So... Go to your favorite search engine. Type in Joe Paterno, Louis Free, Philip Hansen, H-A-N-S-S-E-N, John Roberts, Opus Dei, O-P-U-S-D-E-I. Oh, and Dan Brown, you, you Satanist piece of shit. Another fantastic example of co-opted scum that bring you right to the door right to the threshold of who really rules the world and then spins it off for them. You know, I'm going to heat up a bridge here. Not burn it, but heat it up a little bit. I'm always careful, at the very minimum, at the very least, when talking about someone who claims or appears to be a Christian. It's important to attempt to approach them first via what Christ tells us in Matthew 18 about taking your case before a brother to give them an opportunity to fix what's wrong. I think I have enough of a relationship with this individual to discuss this, and the second part of what I do When I out someone, I always keep in the back of my mind, would I be this bold if they were standing in front of me? Yes. I try to look if they're really wrong. Yeah. I get in their face and say, you are really wrong. So if you do research on Satan's special forces, the company, occasionally you'll come up with another interesting name. William Dean A. Garner. Now, first, let me sing a little bit of William Dean A. Garner's praises. Dean Garner is one of those rare few who have responded. And in fact, Dean Garner responds to me to this day quite regularly. That is to his credit. He has done a small amount of work on the Jesuits. I came across him speaking about his book, Who Really Owns Your Gold? His target for that book is 
Well, let's say his, his target audience, he doesn't want to overwhelm them with too much. So that's the positive side. It's a good, quick read. Negative side is um, I really only got one or two citations out of it, which I did. I did cite Garner in my book. Oh, as a matter of fact, this is a connection I didn't recall until just now. This is how plugged in William Dean A. Garner is. He supposedly, well, not supposedly, he has ghostwritten or edited quite a few major authors to include the aforementioned papal piece of shit, Dan Brown. So I developed a relationship via email and a couple of phone calls with William Dean A. Garner. This was right before I undertook to write my tome, my 900-page book. And William Dean A. Garner promised to help me with my book and review it for possible publication. I was pretty excited. He was at the top of my list of someone that was going to help me. So, not having done this before, I, I threw some things together. And by the way, if you end up writing a book, <laughs> do what I did. Have a foundation, have an outline, have a format, know where you want to start and where you want to end. And map that out. Don't do a hodgepodge of this, that, and the other thing. And then throw it all together. And I will say, um, I've done a lot of blogging, written a lot of columns. Some of the columns were, were picked up by some moderately popular websites. But usually when I write, I write to myself. It's very cynical, very sarcastic. I don't, I don't write to people who haven't read me before. And that's how I wrote the first draft. And it was thrown together. I, I put together, there were some things that I was already working on, had written, put it together. And so it really was disjointed and vitriolic, to say the least. Uh, if you haven't gotten the book, I, I write this in regards to my citations. The citations maintained the same, shall we say, tone. However, when I sent Dean the first draft, it was he was he was right to say it's uh, it needs a rewrite. I was devastated because oh my goodness, I had spent months on this, but I had to step back and say, you know what, he's right. I, I wrote the book to myself. I already know this, so there's lots of cynicism, sarcasm, and that can come across as being unprofessional and can and can harm what you want to be a fact-laden alternative media piece. So I completely rewrote it, sent it back to Dean, and he said, um, it's, it's disconnected, and but, dude, did, did you read this, the second rewrite? Because you're, you're telling me the same thing you told me the first time. At that point, I was like, okay, fuck you, Dean. My next concern was, is this guy working for the machine. Now, if you listen to him, he tells this story about how he had his waking moments 
uh, when an, uh, some kind of high function, an ambassador ran in and said, he's going to be the death of us all, and it turns out that the he was Brzezinski. But William Dean I. Garner never goes on to tell you that Zbigniew Brzezinski was a high-placed papal puppet scum, personal friend of Carol Wojtyla, JP2. So supposedly Dean went underground for a little while. He's living in America. He's living in South Africa. He's got a, an, an interesting story. Uh, how much of it is bullshit, I just don't know. Now that I think of it, he's got all of the earmarks of being a papal puppet, a knight, a protector of the realm. He claims to be some... And I don't mean to say claims to mean that it's not true. I'm just saying this is what he says. And um, I haven't dug this up for myself. A scientist turned soldier turned mercenary. So he was a scientist, and he went into the 75th Rangers, and then he came out, and then he had multiple mercenary organizations that he started. So now stepping back... Now, look, I myself have the earmarks of, of my background, anyway, of being controlled by Rome as an Italian Catholic. So if I'm looking at me, I would say, oh, what's this guy's angle? A tree is known by its fruit. How hard do you hit the whore? Names, places, dates. So he screwed me on helping me. And it really smelled like he was trying not to help me. And by the way, I will put other prominent names out there. Did the same thing, Tom Horn, L.A. Marzulli, L.A. Fantastic experience with L.A. Spoke to him on the phone, spoke to him in person, got a hug, got a copy of his, uh, what was it? Uh, Politics and Policy in the Supernatural, um, and then write the guy, ask him to help me with my book to get it published, and didn't even respond. So it's interesting. William Dean A. Garner went underground and recently resurfaced. By the way, that's the reason why L.A. Marzulli and Tom Horn didn't respond to him is because it's clear that they're part of a good old boy network. And highly probable that they are connected to, quote, a secret society, end quote. Most likely. Oh, and I don't, the only reason I know he resurfaced is he added me to his email list. And I learned this very early on. Do not add someone unless they specifically ask you to add them. Honestly, it's just professional. It's courteous. So supposedly he's resurfaced and targeting the Jesuits again. And I sent him uh, congratulations based on him sending me his newsletter. And he responded. But this is interesting. And this is kind of, 
his slight of me is, is an open sore. And he reopened it rather stupidly by sending out this newsletter that lists books about the Jesuits. And, hold your breath, Illuminati Unmasked by Johnny Cerucci is not on that list. Now, granted, if you really know what you're doing, you put this list together, it's been, been sitting for a while, somebody asked for it, you put it back out again. But, dude, you put me on your newsletter list, I didn't ask to be on it, and then you send this out. So these are all things, I'm not in the mood to put all this down, to, to flesh it out or air it out with this guy. I don't need him. The book is published. Thank you very much. I honestly didn't get very much from him in the form of research. But still, conciliatory tone. If you were to address these issues, we'd be fast friends. Same thing with uh, Eric Threenames Phelps, although I don't think I'm about to talk him out of being a rabid racist. Hey! What's this lying around shit? Well, what the hell is supposed to do, you moron? War's over, man. Wormer dropped the big one. What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough... <laughs> Uh, Dean Garner, you can look at him and he will talk about the Jesuits, but he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. That's the issue. The issue is he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. He is clearly a New Ager, if not a Freemason himself. And he's some guy who's a military guy that's made his, supposedly has a reputation for being in special services and all that kind of stuff. Seems like a pretty bright guy, but anybody who's always wearing shades, you might want to question. Just a little bit. It's rather suspect. Uh, he's a smooth talker. You will learn some stuff from him. Only some stuff. You see, Gardner doesn't have really that much information. He did connect the dots. He understands about the Jesuits and the Roman Catholic Church and the Templars and all that. But so do a lot of people. You know what I mean? The guy rejects Jesus Christ, and that's probably the reason why he's rejecting Johnny. Because Johnny's a believer. <clears throat> so, um, I really do love Johnny. I like him a lot. If he does hear this, Johnny, if you ever hear this particular show, I hope you know I'm not knocking you. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'm just putting my two two cents in. And, uh, you know, there's a few things that just uh, I, maybe we disagree on, but they're minute things 
in my opinion. I've discovered that many other people feel differently. If you don't agree with you 100%, yeah, you're under the bus. Uh, I hope that's not going to be that with me and Johnny, but um, I did like this recording. It was very thought-provoking, made me think about a few things, and hopefully make you think about a few things, and that, you know, how human we all are in this process, how fault we all are, are fraught with sin and failure, and that we're all just, yeah, men. None of us should be idolized. Hopefully you get some information out of this show um, but I, and from Johnny and from others. And uh, See, this is another thing I think about Walter Feet. They presented him out as this amazing human being. I mean, if you really pay attention to the series, uh, The Total Onslaught or all the other ones, you know, they bake it out that he's like the greatest thing since Swiss cheese. Even though the, the truth is, the leadership of the Seventh-day Adventist Church have given that man grief because he was talking about a lot of things more than they wanted him to talk about. This is the truth. He says it in his own words. <clears throat> you can find out. You can just go and listen to what Walter V. says, how he was treated by his own church. So, but they, at the same token, they raise him up as something more than anyone else. Professor Walter V. And he is a bright guy. He's a bright gentleman. Uh, great. That's wonderful. That doesn't mean you or I or anybody else should put him up on a pedestal. So. And the more you study this stuff and research the Jesuits and research what's going on in the world, you realize that Walter V. was just doing what you end up doing. He ended up reading the books that other people told him to read. He compiled it in a way, had helped to put it in a way, in a package in a way, to made a presentation, and he did a great job. And it's very dangerous, too. Because how many people, including myself, got sucked up into this whole argument that the Seventh-day Adventists are the only ones talking about the Jesuits? Therefore, they must be the only true church. And you know why that was? Because of our own ignorance in the Word of God. And uh, God had us rattle me of my cage and wake up. So it is very dangerous to idolize anybody, any man, anybody. Okay. Facebook is so useless, so useless. Let me back up and say this real quick. We live in an amazing time. The whore is empowered to do unspeakable evil by technology. But technology also provides us with powerful tools. A hundred years ago, doing a, a word search in the Bible, if you didn't have strong concordance, if you didn't have a library of important resources, Englishman's Concordance, to look up words based on the Strong's number. And, and, and what an incredible tool James Strong's exhaustive concordance has been until the age of computers. 
there still is no substitute for an actual hard copy of the word. As and by the way, a a Bible it's it's good and important to revere the word and to revere Bibles. But understand it's still just a tool. It's the written teaching, the written word. The word is a man. His name is Jesus. So it's okay and in fact highly recommended to personalize your Bible, to uh, write in the margins if it helps you, to highlight and underline if it helps you. Now, yes, over time, things will change. Things that are important to you when you first get saved so will not be as important later on. But, you know, it's, it's good to look back and see how you've progressed. And I'm bringing this up because there's an added search function, a search tool, as you read your Bible again and again and, and, and you note and mark things that are important to you, you actually get a picture in your mind of where that is. And so sometimes if you can't find the criteria to locate a passage that is in your mind, and by the way, I can't tell you how many times I looked up a passage and thought it said one thing and realized it said something quite different. You get a, a picture in your mind of the physical location in your Bible, where you, where you read it, where you underlined it, highlighted it. And really there's no substitute for it. Uh, the dear friend of mine who brought me to Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, where Pastor Skip Heitzig was the instrument of calling me to Christ, also helped me get my first Bible in the New American Standard. Now, I know the New American Standard is not the inerrant, high, holy, 1611 King James. All English translations have flaws. I like the New American Standard. It has fewer flaws than most. Uh, this happens to be the Charles Caldwell, what I have, happens to be the Charles Caldwell Ryrie Study Bible, and nearly all of the study notes are helpful. Still a human being, there are some study notes. Really, boy, if I have time, I'll get into this. Yeah, the notes on Daniel chapter 9 are actually just as flawed as our modern Jesuit-controlled misunderstanding of that critical passage. I'll, I'll get into that later. But uh, there's no substitute for it. I, I had to have this Bible. It was cheaply uh, bound. I, When I was out west, uh, how this happened, the good Lord guided me to this individual who rebound my Bible for me in genuine leather, and I asked for five bookmark ribbons of red, white, and blue for where my, my heart is, and for gold and purple, the, the royal colors of, of, of Christ's return. 
And uh, it's boy, it's it's a it's a treasure. I treasure it. I absolutely treasure it. And lots of notes in it. And frequently just hanging on to it, holding it. You know, it's uh, it's a good feeling. So use all the tools. Go online. The vast majority of great resources are free. Good Bible software or website will very frequently allow you to open up multiple panes for different translations. You can go to an interlinear Bible to trace what English word has a derivation of the Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic, or was it added? Most good Bibles, words that were added for English continuity will be in italics. And a lot of times, they should not be added. Because although it seems choppy, it has meaning to it by not having these words in there. So back back to Facebook. You really do see how easily, how particularly the people I got plugged into when I first got on Satan's social networking, I developed a lot of conservatoire connections. And so they are, unfortunately at this point, are the, the majority of the postings I see. And it's like it just comes right off of off the Fox News website. Right now, the big trend, you go back a year, they push this, the, the flames of racial hatred. You are being manipulated, both minorities and Caucasians. What was it, a year ago when they had that urchin, that that skid mark, uh, I'm sorry, that sounds kind of racist. Uh, Black Panther turd. Oh wait, that's this might seem racist too. Um, anyway, individual made some comment about killing crackers and killing the kids, the children of crackers, and then Facebook exploded with conservatards, I'm a proud cracker, uh, people would put it in there, change their names, Sherry Cracker Jones, morons. They're doing the same exact thing with this stupid Confederate flag. How you can't see it is really sickening and honestly it's where the Luciferians get their authority if flawed people weren't so easily manipulated by their flesh it wouldn't take traction it's why the Lord allows it and then they put out these puppets so when I see stupid posted like this, whoa, Representative Trey Gowdy just made a major announcement about Trump from the spam-ridden, the auto-starting spam-ridden political insider. You can hear the stupid Facebook going off in the background. 
I just killed it. How conservatards continue to get played the same way again and again and again is really pretty sad. Oh, Trey Gowdy just blasts Trump critics. Daryl Issa owns Eric Holder on Fast and Furious. Trey Gowdy eviscerates Hillary Clinton on Benghazi. You ass. Name me one substantive event that resulted from one of these puppets actually doing their jobs and not blowing smoke. That black communist piece of shit, Eric Holder, is in his green pasture that you bought for him now. Done. Nothing of substance came from the incredible treason of giving 50 caliber sniper rifles, machine guns, and and rocket launchers to the Sinaloa drug cartel because it's the United States government that really pushes the drugs, the CIA, and then through the the whore of Babylon and Rome. They beat you down with the illegals that come here and rape and murder and run over you in drunken stupors, and then they let puppet pieces of like Donald Trump finally just say something contrary to this agenda, nothing of substance. He'll just make a statement. He'll be allowed to be the one puppet that breaks ranks and makes a statement against this agenda. And you idiots fall for it. Pardon me, not this audience. Conservatards on Facebook that I'm seeing. You fall. Oh, Trump for president. You understand that the destruction of America wouldn't even slow down. You know, maybe it would slow a little bit. Change, reverse course, get healthy again? Never. Never. Not that other puppet, Ted Cruz, Marco Turtle Rubio, not even Rand Paul. Rand Trans-Pacific Partnership Paul. Pardon me. Rand Fast Track Trans-Pacific Partnership Paul. And by the way, none of those idiots, even though they're kept, will ever see power because The Luciferian scum need to push hard and fast. You're waking up too quickly. The Luciferian scum can't afford to play the game anymore. That's why I don't think it's going to happen, but let me tell you, they might find a way. I don't know that they'll they'll keep the Manchurian Messiah of Mystery for a third term. That's too obvious. They'll find another way because he's such a good, lifeless, soulless puppet doing their bidding. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll find a way to keep him as their teleprompter reading Manchurian. You know, I had cause to have an exchange, some of that you, you heard the little stupid annoying bleep, regarding another papal coadjutor, Alex Jesuit Jones, and some more fantastic information from the three named Eric John Phelps. A family friend who is a devout Catholic wanted to know what my information was on Jones being a coadjutor. I said, well, nothing direct, but a lot of indirect. Whenever anyone comes on Jones's program to talk about the root causes of the One World Order, like Fritz Springmeier, Texie Mars, David Icke, they always use the Jesuit smokescreen, it's the Jews, it's the Zionists. Jones will never allow people to discuss the Jesuits. And my buddy William Dean A. Garner told me a story about how he spoke with Ted Anderson on the phone, and according to Garner, Anderson offered him his own radio show because he wasn't a clown like Alex Jones. And by the way, Alex Jones is being instructed to be a clown to destroy our credibility. Garner told me that Ted Anderson offered him his own show as long as he'd never say the word Jesuit. Texie Mars was used, and Jones never does this directly. He uses these other puppets to blast Eric Phelps without actually naming him. But it's clear that's who they're talking about. Phelps will never be allowed on Jones's program. And all you scum that claim to be Christian and froth up racial hatred against the Jews, listen, I don't subscribe to the extreme interpretations of Scripture regarding the role Israel will play in the future. To me, the only remaining prophecy about Israel that has any concern for us is that someday when Christ returns, they will rend their clothes and weep over what they have done and return to him in mass. Outside of that, nothing else is important. Nothing else matters. Political Israel one more quick point. Phelps calls Jones's father-in-law, Edmund Lowe Nichols, a knight of Malta. I have no idea how he gets this. And that's the only thing. I, I, because Phelps is so impeccable on his information, I allow him, I actually am forced to cite him as the sole source many times, calling these turds knights of Malta. I like to source myself. However, these secret societies don't publish their roles. Every once in a while, they're stupid. You'll be able to find it, and, and when I do find it, either Masons or Knight of Columbus, Knight of Malta, Knight of the Equestrian Order, any of that, 
I'll, I'll give it to you, but it's rare. And interestingly enough, I, I always had that sneaking suspicion that the information on the Grove was handed to Jones to empower him. And by no small coincidence, there is something at the Grove that Jones never showed you, never talks about. A statue of John Nepomuk, who was drowned, executed by the King of Bohemia because he refused to breach the confessional to the king. He rather would die than give up the intelligence that he received. That only goes to the black or the white pope. And so statues of John Nepomuk always have him with his fingers to his lips. And that's what greets you at Bohemian Grove. And it's interesting that the tape that Jones plays for you, the secret tape that he got, supposedly shows you the cremation of care, the sacrifice of an infant, that is done in effigy. It's not a real child. It's just a play. CIA mind-controlled sex play of Kathy O'Brien says far different. As a matter of fact, O'Brien quotes Franklin cover-up victim. Oh, and the fact that the Nebraska sex slave, CIA sex slave scandal, where little boys are kidnapped, tortured, mind-controlled, and turned into playthings for the Luciferian elite. The fact that it's called the Franklin cover-up and not the Boys Town cover-up tells you who really controlled it. Because the boys originally picked from the Catholic home, the Boys Town. Kathy O'Brien quotes Franklin cover-up victim Paul Bonacci as having said that not only are children brought there to be raped and sodomized, they're also brought there to be murdered. You name it, it happens at Bohemian Grove. And Bohemian Grove is just another outlet of pus created and run by the Jesuits. But here's the amazing thing. The information is getting out. People are waking up. I'm getting some great feedback. I just told a listener who wrote to me, hey, I saw your post about Fritz Springmeier. I wrote to Fritz. I'm concerned my church isn't teaching on any of these topics. So I wrote to Fritz, and Fritz gave me advice on how to talk to the elders. I said, listen, get out of her. Leave your church now. Start your own home fellowship. Today's churches are gas chambers. Pastors, at best, are ignorant and have no 
business being leaders. At worst, they are pawns of Satan, co-opted by the whore to keep you asleep. And you are responsible for your own soul. You don't show up for an hour Sunday morning and give your soul to someone else and say, here, take my soul, tell me what to think, tell me what to know. You have this information, you start your own home study, not on Sunday morning from 9 to 10. You pick the day when your friends and family can come over and make food and break bread the way the early Christians did and sing songs of worship and teach the knowledge that no one is teaching. Because I'll tell you, as much as the Luciferians own everything, all the banks, the military, the intelligence agencies, the media, mainstream and alternative they're running scared. They're going to race. Because resistance is right. Welcome to the King James Bible Mystery Babylon Connection. Today in this video, we're going to look at the Mystery Babylon Connection of the King James Bible. The reason why this is important is because we want to understand that, as we've said before, that translations of the Bible, English translations, in our case in particular, they are works of men. And because they are works of men, they are filled with errors. And in the case of the topic that we're going to discuss today in the King James Mystery Babylon Connection, the King James Bible has a little leaven in it. A little leaven as it's described to us in Galatians 5.9. But this little leaven is such a little leaven that, as the scripture says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, as we've advised people in the past that every verse of the particular Bible you're using has to be judged by its individual case, whether or not that particular verse is translated correctly. That is why we recommend, and as we showed you the history of our Bible study with Bible software, this is why we recommend using Bible software where you have multiple translations and you can compare. You can also go to an online parallel Bible search and look for the particular verse that you're looking at in different translations. But we've recommended that everyone 
not abide in English onlyism. English onlyism. Our forefathers that landed here in the United States of America, they were against English onlyism. The universities established in this country, when they started, they had original biblical language studies within them. And that is the heritage of our country. But as the Bible says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We have to look at something in particular when we're dealing with the King James Mystery Babylon connection that we're going to expose, refute, and hopefully give you some insight and an understanding on how you can purge out this leaven. Now, the topic we're talking about that many of you might be familiar with is something that you may have questioned yourself. You may have wondered, why is it that the King James Bible in Acts 12.4 uses the word Easter? This might be something that you have wondered. I know I have wondered about this for many, many years in my studies of the original languages. But in this particular case, we see that this word here, Easter, is actually the Hebrew Passover. And you may have wondered, as I did many years while I was reading the King James Bible, why is it, why is it that the King James translators translated this word Easter here, Easter, when it was clearly Passover? Why would they go out of their way and change the translation? You know, the Geneva Bible that came before the King James Bible, it said Passover. The modern translations, like the ESV, say Passover. The New American Standard also says Passover. The very heretical, filled with error, NIV also says Passover. But the King James from the 1611 said Easter. And I can't tell you for how many years this has bothered me. And it was the Holy Spirit that was convicting me and speaking to me about this error right here. Why is this the case? Why is somebody going out of their way to change the translation from Passover to Easter? And as the Holy Spirit began to minister to me about why this was so important, why was this so important, this little change here, this is what we're going to endeavor to explain to you here in the King James Mystery Babylon Connection, because this one little change right here, this one little change has very, very, very big ramifications and implications that lead into rudimentary Gnosticism. Remember, the great agenda that the apostles are fighting against in the New Testament is Gnosticism. Gnosticism. And this is the very thing you're seeing right here in Acts 12.4. And as we proceed in this video, it will become more clearer to you the agenda of why Gnosticism was behind the blatant changing and error of Acts 12.4. But just to share with you a little bit on how I came to realize the importance of this error here in Acts 12.4 in the King James Bible, and how the Lord led me to keep praying about it, to keep seeking him, and to finally get closure about it, 
and to be here and sharing it with you. But again, let me clarify. What we have recommended and what we have advised to people is that you don't have to throw your, quote, English translations away. What you should be doing is modifying and changing the translation, as we have showed you in the past how to do that in our videos where we changed the present active believing participles that were not being expressed, and we kept the rest of the Bible. And this is how you're going to do diligence to make your calling and election sure by judging every verse in most mainline word-for-word translations and testing all things as the Bible calls you to do. Test all things, hold fast to that which is good, so you can hold fast to the verses that are translated good. You could, even with your pen, just cross this out and write Passover right here. You could do that. It's very easy to fix the errors of men. And as we talk about this, we want to declare that no man is perfect. We know that, right? The facts about textual criticism and scribal errors and things like that, translation committees, they all declare to us that the Holy Spirit is going to be leading us into the testimony and the knowledge and understanding of God's Word. That's what a Christian should be leaning to. By applying the diligence of making your calling and election sure in Christ as you study the Scriptures and as you hear teachings like this one. So in order to understand why the translators put Easter here in Acts 12.4, we have to go back and look at what Easter is. What is Easter? This is so important to understanding our thesis in this video, is to understand what is Easter. Now, Easter in the online etymology dictionary says that it is a dawn, comes from the Proto-Germanic Ostrom, dawn, also the name of a goddess of fertility. So here you begin to see the first concepts of rudimentary Gnosticism. Now, as we have taught, Gnosticism is an idolatry and a heretical, unbiblical worship of rudimentary philosophy. Gnosticism can be traced back to the ancient mystery religions, that the only thing they could see was the rudimentary principles of how the world, the cosmos, the stars, everything in relation to the natural vision of man operated. And they developed these religions, these fertility religions, that sprung out during the time of the spring equinox. As you see here, it says, a feast was celebrated at the spring equinox, east towards the sunrise. This is very important to understand that Easter is the worship of the rudimentary nature fertility god that all the pagan mystery religions from Egypt that came from the Sumerian fertile plain after the flood of Noah 
And the mind control that comes out of these early Gnostics facing towards the East, a fertility worship of rudimentary Gnosticism that is worshiping the sun. Now, this abomination of rudimentary Gnosticism religion was told to us in prophetic scripture in Ezekiel chapter 8. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagery. For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord has forsaken the earth. You see, the Gnostics believe that the Lord God of the universe will not enter into the earth. They think all things are rudimentary. They think their Gnostic ideas of worshiping the sun as a symbol of the rudimentary fire of men, God is not going to hold them accountable to. But he said to the prophet Ezekiel, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men and their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east and they worship the sun towards the east. You see what's going to happen also in the future when we see here the mystery Babylon connection of Easter and why this was put in the King James Bible back in Acts 12.4, it all has prophetic significance to those who are worshiping the sun and have their backs to the Lord. Now, so we saw the etymology of the word Easter, and this worship towards the sun is nothing but what you see in the Roman Catholic religion, that down through the centuries they have practiced sun worship. The wafer of the mass is a representation of the sun. It is the solar disk of the Catholic Church who does not believe in the text of Scripture but practices the raising of the solar disk of Easter. There it is. This is where it all leads back to. And we're going to show you the connection here. Now, you guys won't be surprised to know that this is all part of the Jesuit agenda, as their symbol is the sun, and here is the wafer of the mass. You see the disc, and you see the cross, as we show you, that these wafers of the Catholic Church all have a cross on them. You see, it is also representative of the X of Mystery Babylon, the inverted pyramids, but here you see the solar disc with the rays and the cross, representative of the Easter fertility pagan 
God worship. So that's what they're lifting up in the Mass. They're lifting up the re-sacrificing of the sun, the changing of the seasons when the sun goes down and the sun comes up and ultimately comes up during the spring equinox when the ancient fertility cults were practicing their fire rituals. Now, another connection to the Catholic Church is that the word nun, as you see it here, comes from the ancient word nun, meaning bestial pagan priestesses, women devoted to the religious life under vows, coming from the ancient pagan vestial priestesses. What is a vestial priest? Well, vestial, here's the word in the dictionary. It says the ancient Roman goddess of hearth worshipped in a temple containing an altar on which a sacred fire was kept burning by the vestial virgins. You know, they call these nuns virgins, right? Identified with the Greek Hestia. Now you might ask yourself, what is a hearth? A hearth worshipped is basically a fireplace, a stone brick fireplace. It is the fire that they kept going in the type of ancient rites that you see in many of the modern pagan mystery religions. And as you see them even talk about in their inaugural addresses, as Bush discussed, the fire in the minds of men. You remember that? He said they're going to light, we have lit a fire in the minds of men. This is what the mystery religion pagans that have their bestial virgins, their nuns, their pagan bestial priestesses, as they have them in the Catholic Church, they are under vow to protect the rudimentary Gnosticism of the ancient mystery religions. And so here you're beginning to see the connection with Easter. Easter. Now back in the online etymology dictionary, it says, Bid says, Anglo-Saxon Christians adopted her name, Easter, and many of the celebratory practices of their Mass of Christ resurrection. Bid is this Saint Bid, the Venerable. He was a English monk back in the year 673 he was born. He died in 735. And this Catholic monk says that this celebratory practice of Easter, the very Catholics themselves say they adopted the Easter pagan Gnostic fertility goddess rite of the worship of the spring equinox into the celebratory practices of the mass of Roman Catholicism. So that's what you're seeing right here. When you look back to the history of it all, it all goes back to this worship of the harlot of mystery Babylon, Rome. So the nuns are the vestial pagan priestess 
virgins that are standing by during the time of the Roman Catholic Mass. And these vestial virgins are also representative in the Statue of Liberty. Here you see the vestial virgin with her fire. This is why the Roman Catholics, through the mystery religions and the Masonic lodges and the Jesuits, have brought in this vestial virgin here who's holding the fire. She's keeping the fire of Easter, the sun god. You see the rays of light coming out of her crown. This is what she represents. The fertility Gnosticism of rudimentary Gnostic worship. And so some of you at this point might be saying, but what does this have to do with the King James Bible? What does this have to do with the King James Bible? Well, now that we've looked at what Easter is and you have an understanding, let's look at how this is connected to the Mystery Babylon connection of the King James Bible. Now, the reason why this was translated here in Acts 12.4 as Easter, contrary to the clear facts that it was Passover, the reason why they went with the rudimentary Gnosticism, the worship of the pagan fertility feasts of the mystery religions, the reason why they did that was because King James himself was a Mason. Here you see the profile of King James of Scotland from the Grand Lodge of British Columbia. Here it gives a small biography, and it declares down here at the bottom that he was initiated April 15, 1601, in the Lodge Schoon and Perth, number three in Perth, Scotland. Now this may come as a surprise to some of you that King James himself was a Mason. But this extends all the way till today. As you see in this image from the Westminster main church in England that has a Freemasonic floor on it and it's separated by a wall. And so it says here King James, again, was initiated in 1601 and we know the translation was made in 1611. So while the translation was being made, he was an initiate of the mystery religions in Scotland. And so this is the actual lodge here, the lodge website. And here they tell us that they have a stained glass window. And here's King James himself being initiated. And there's also more evidence that this is true. When you look at a tour of the lodge itself, here you have the front of the lodge itself. The master mason would sit here. And right above here, as you'll see as we play the video, you see a large painting here. And what do you see here? This painting here is of King James himself. This is what they declare to us, that there is a mural on the west wall of the lodge used by the lodge schoon in Perth number three in Perth, Scotland, can be found a mural depicting King James the sixth kneeling 
at their altar in his initiation. So it's telling us that you can find a mural of King James himself kneeling at an altar for his initiation. That's what you're seeing right here. And you see the rudimentary gods here. This is not exactly the Trinity. This is the fertility worship of demons, fallen angelic demons that are holding fire in their hands and the worship of the Easter sun. There you see it, which is the same sun from the Catholic Church that we described earlier. And so this is why King James himself demanded that this would be translated in Acts 12.4 instead of Passover, Easter. You see, this is why he was so headstrong in putting the leaven in there was because he was an initiate of the mystery religions. Now, interesting, there was a video that came out in 2012 here called The King James Bible, The Book That Changed the World. Let's listen to a little bit of this and hear how they describe King James himself, how they describe him as a headstrong Gnostic. And you'll hear as we describe what's going on. This is the trailer. We've actually seen this entire video. It's filled with all kinds of misrepresentations and lies. But for the sake of summing up what's in this video, we'll look at the trailer here. The story about the book, a book that even if you haven't read it, had an influence on it. It's imagery, its language, and its influence have been felt right around the world for the past 400 years. It also claims to be more of They telegraph quite a bit the Masonic floor. There you saw it. And they're telling you that King James himself was an initiate in this video. They're showing you the Masonic lodge floor. Let's look a little bit more. Lying, deceiving, are these your kingly virtues? Oh, he was a deceiver. See, the Puritans didn't like what the king was doing. They knew the King James Bible was corrupt and that it was filled with this rudimentary Gnosticism worship from the very Masonic Lodge that he was initiated in. And this is why the Puritans that landed in America did not celebrate Easter. They were very against this paganism coming out of England who is being controlled by the Roman Catholic Church. But let's keep listening. Long You see, reform for the Gnostics means bringing in the mystery religions and the leaven of the main fertility cult Gnosticism, which is Easter. But it's that little leaven that you have to understand who's behind the errors that were purposely put in. You see, they wanted a, quote, reformation. Even in our day, they're talking about the revival of the ancient mystery religions. This is why there's so much promulgation of the King James Bible. This particular video here was put out by the New World Order 
for the 400th anniversary, the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. And believe it or not, as you're seeing it right here, this video received an award by the New World Order, giving itself an award for this video. Why would they do that? Why would the New World Order promote the King James Bible? Many people have been thanked. I'd like to thank the Templeton Foundation, of course. Templeton. The Templeton Foundation, that's a New World Order think tank. Uh, guy. But I'm going to take the Guinness Book of Records and thank you. It was 400 years ago. This guy without whom I wouldn't be up here today. So can we thank good old King James? So they gave the video many awards. And again, the reason why they did was because it's all part of the mystery religions. A Gnostic, part of the Masonic Lodge, an initiate of the mystery religions, a Luciferian who worships the sun. Yeah, I would say that's about accurate. But this video is not going to tell you that. They're only going to show you the Freemasonic floor and, and give mind control to the King James Onlyus front. You know, guys like this guy right here. All right, I want to do a quick video review here of two different videos, two different documentaries that came out recently, uh, both celebrating the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. Very interesting about these two. This one here in my left hand is the KJV, the making of the King James Bible, still a bestseller after 400 years. And this one here is the book that changed the world, KJV. This is says KJV, this says KJV. Uh, the amazing tale of the birth of the King James Bible. Now here's the interesting thing. This one was made by Vision Video which is supposed to be a Christian company. Um, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. This in here is a Hollywood production, Lionsgate Entertainment. It's actually a New World Order production. Okay. Secular, this one's supposedly Christian. And you know what the interesting thing is? This one here is the one that honors the King James Bible. This one attacks the King James Bible. I mean, they kind of only kind of honored. What about the fact that these King James Onlyists that are promoting things that they cannot even see yet, that's why we're doing this video, to help people to understand that you can purge out the leaven by fixing your Bibles. And since these King James Onlyists don't deal with real small, intricate leaven, that the Bible has called us to deal with. And as I mentioned to you at the very beginning of this video, this issue with Easter bothered me for so long. But well, day, many King James only love this video. For all Bible-believing Christians, the legacy these men left us and died to leave us has been disgraced. Well, it's the fact that King James himself belonged to the mystery religions. It's a disgrace that people have bought into the mind control of King James onlyism as being, quote, the perfect word of God. Again, this is not an approval for any translation done in the English. None of the translations are perfect. 
You have to judge each verse by its own merits against what we know the original gospel manuscripts are saying. And so this video is promoted quite a bit by King James Onlyus. They love it. But what else do you see? The king can determine the word of God for himself. <laughs> I You see, King James hated the Geneva Bible. You know why? Because the Geneva Bible actually said Passover. It did not have the leaven of rudimentary Gnosticism, which King James wanted in his translation because of the fact that he was initiated into the Masonic Lodge in Scotland. You know, this Scottish Masonic Lodge, here it is, the Grand Lodge of Scotland, started in 1599. The first lodge of Edinburgh, Mary's Chapel. There you see the Roman Catholic name of the Virgin Mary. Number one, the first lodge in Scotland where we get the Scottish Rite, the southern jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite here in the United States of America, all come out of this lodge right here in 1599. So you see how close they're starting to make these lodges from the 1611 translation of the King James Bible. We're talking only 12 years away. And as the video itself said, he hated the Geneva Bible of the Puritans. That's why this video accurately portrays King James as a heady Gnostic. And he was the one who had the ultimate say on what was going in the translation of the King James Bible. A completely new translation of God's holy word. There is a Bible. by all the people on the work of dunces. He called it the work of dunces. Because you know how these masons are. They inflate themselves. They think they're rudimentary Gnosticism of endless genealogies. Here you see the gods of rudimentary polytheism. They think that believing in one omnipotent, omniscient God the God of Israel, who gave the truth to the Israelites alone and not to the ancient pagan mystery religions who were worshiping the sun God, was a God of dunces. You see the little leaven of the King James Bible in the 1611 when it tells you Easter? See, this is why the New World Order actually likes the King James Bible, because there's such a history there's such a history of all this Gnosticism coming from King James himself, who we're going to give you a little background here after this. I will supervise personally every man's work. Oh, he will personally supervise it. Here he's giving the Freemasonic finger up hand sign. We've documented that hand sign quite a bit. Especially yours. He's too high. He will leave up to heaven. God is my judge. And no, he was a rebellious Gnostic. He didn't want the Calvinistic Puritan who was discipling him and giving him the truth. He wasn't going to submit. You see, the kings were so puffed up, even until this day, that they think they know the truth. This is why it's dangerous to be going around saying that the King James Bible, in King James onlyism, is a perfect translation. Because all this rudimentary Gnosticism is tied to it in one verse. Because he was thriving under his policy. 
try to slander the Puritans that did not want what King Gnostic James was doing in his secret ceremonies in his Masonic Lodge. But you see, King James himself tried to portray himself as a Protestant. But what you have to understand is that his mother, Mary, Queen of Scots, she was a very, very committed Roman Catholic Here you see, even on the Wikipedia, her religion was Catholicism. And also, King James' wife, Anne of Denmark, she was also a Catholic. Here you see that it says that though she was reported to have been a Protestant at the time of her death, evidence suggests that she may have converted to Catholicism sometime in her life. So it gives you the footnote. And here, if you look up the footnote, it's a reference to Anne writing to this guy right here, who's this Cardinal Bishop of Sabina. She writes to this Roman Catholic Italian Cardinal, and this is evidence that she was a closet Catholic. You know how they always do, even in our day. They tell you they're Protestants when really they're front and frauds and Roman Catholics. And as we documented, the sun worship of the Mass, which is related to why the Easter is there. This is a reference to the Mass, the Roman Catholic Mass, the very symbol of the Jesuits that we showed you with the sun and the solar disk of the wafer of the Mass. So you have also his father, Henry Stewart. He was a Roman Catholic. It even documented, if you look it up in the Wikipedia, it says that Henry Lord Darnley is a Roman Catholic. There it is. So King James' father, his mother, his wife, they were all Catholics. Again, that is why you have all this solar disk worship of the Mass in the Roman Catholic translation of the King James Bible. Really, when you really understand what's going on with the church in England, as you see the checkerboard Masonic Lodge floor here, separated by the pyramid wall, where you have the initiates in the back, when you really understand what's going on, you understand that the Geneva Bible was a pure Protestant Bible of the time. And these closet Catholics did not like it. They did not like the Puritans. They hated them with a passion because they would not submit to the hierarchy of the Anglican Church, which was really a front for Roman Catholicism, even as you see it till this day. The same secret societies that run the Vatican are the same ones that run the Anglican Church in England. And this is what you see in the symbology as you saw it in the video. These are all rudimentary Gnostics running the Church of Westminster in England. And so I know many of you will be shocked to know that everyone that surrounded King James was actually Roman Catholic. And you will be saying, how can it be that the 
King James Bible is a Roman Catholic Bible. Well, come back and watch this video and you will see the facts as we have presented to you the Mystery Babylon King James Version of the Bible Easter Connection. You will know that the great conspiracy of the day that is the worship of rudimentary Gnosticism. You see it right here? This is the sun. This is the Jesuit conspiracy. Those who are behind the great conspiracy of the day, the Jesuits and the mystery religions, they're the ones who love King James onlyism. Because if they can get you to say that the King James Bible is perfect with its Easter solar Sunday worship of the Jesuits, then they have you spreading their leaven without even knowing it. Now, the last thing we want to do in this video is leave you with an exhortation. An exhortation from 1 Corinthians 5, 7. You see, the Bible tells us that we need to purge out, therefore, the old leaven. There is such a thing as an old leaven, and we need to purge it out. The word purge means to cleanse thoroughly, to purge out, that you may become a new lump. Now, we're going to apply this. We know this is in context talking about the church in Corinth and how there was Gnostic infiltration and those who were promoting Gnosticism and were very puffed up in their adherence to Gnostic doctrines. But the idea here is to purge out the old leaven. And this is what we've attempted to show you when we created this video called The Procedure for Converting Your Unbelieving Bibles to Believing Bibles, here we were purging out the old leaven and making sure that you had a way to understand that, again, you can judge each individual verse by its content. You don't have to throw away your King James Bible. You don't have to throw away your NIV Bible. You can correct the problems because there is no perfect English translation, and there never will be. These are translations that are made by men, and the minute you start saying that a translation is perfect, you have gone into a form of popery, the very popery that we exposed in this video, thinking that what men do is absolutely perfect. The Bible has told us that the state of grace, the grace of God, is sufficient for us to understand the errors of man-made ways. And God has given us a sound mind to understand that we can purge out the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. You see the word Passover here? This is why it is very dangerous to just leave this Easter alone, because Christ is our true, holy Passover. And the scripture is telling us to purge out the leaven to abide in the true Passover, not the Easter celebration of rudimentary Gnosticism. But Christ is our Passover, the very word that the King James translator, King James himself, had the ultimate authority to leave alone, but he did not. He was a Gnostic. He was seducing everyone into the Gnostic knowledge of Mystery Babylon and wanted to get everybody seduced, but he failed. And so therefore, let us keep 
the feast of the Passover, not with the old leaven of Easter, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You see, if you're a true Christian and a sincere one, you'll acknowledge the truth of the leaven. And you can, again, purge it out by changing what was bad in your Bible. And so that's what we want to exhort you with. Remember, you're called to be a Berean. You're called to test all things and hold fast to the good verses that are translated good. And the bad ones should be changed. And so this has been edifying others, giving you the expose of the King James Mystery Babylon Connection. We hope you've enjoyed this information. We hope you have learned that King James Onlyism is an irrational premise. And that you would apply diligence to your most holy faith as we have exhorted you to study the original languages. They'll keep you from the mind control of liars and deceivers that have come down through the history of Mystery Babylon. And so until next time, this has been Edifying Others, and Lord willing, we'll see you again. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom, understanding of your word that is life to us. Lord, we pray, Abba Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord, you will help us, O Lord. Help us to understand that life from you is the most important thing to have. Eternal life in you, Lord, given by believing faith, O Lord, is what you ask of us to be abiding in. We pray as we look at your word, you will quicken us, O Lord, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we pray to bless our time and keep us, O Lord. No life in you, Lord given by believing faith, O Lord, is what you ask of us to be abiding in. We pray as we look at your word, you will quicken us, O Lord, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we pray to bless our time and keep us, O Lord, abiding into you, Lord, close to you, as our calling is to be following after you. Thank you, Lord, because you have given us, Lord, the opportunity, the life of salvation to know you, Lord. Thank you, Abba Father, because through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we have and possess the truth that no other way in this world can offer us. Nothing can substitute what you have graciously shown us in your word. Remind us again of these things, Lord, that we know. And as those who may be listening, I pray that you will exhort them in their spirits, O Lord, that they might be 
encouraged, edified, and built up in you, O Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we just got done looking at the King James Mystery Babylon connection. And inevitably there were people that came out, King James only us, that don't want to be seeing the problem that we presented. And we understand that when you make a commitment, a presuppositional commitment to something before you've studied something out, it's sort of difficult to go back and acknowledge the fact that you have been wrong about something. There have been things that I've been wrong about, but I do my best to think soberly about what I'm saying publicly. But many have made a presuppositional thinking that the King James Bible, even other people might even believe that certain translations are perfect. And as we explain that we need to be judging every verse of the Bible through study and teachings that can deliver to us the truth, the truth that actually works, the truth that actually edifies us in our soul. You know, this is what we as Christians want. We want to be built up. We don't want just thinking. We don't want just ideas in our mind. We want eternal life. Eternal life is the thing we look for. We want to know the joy of the Lord. We want to know the grace of God. We want to know the things freely given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it true that there is a Christian out there that does not want to know what life in Christ really entails? I don't think so. I don't think there is a Christian out there a real, true, born-again-of-the-Holy-Spirit Christian that does not want to experience God, that does not want to be edified and built up in the truth of God. So ultimately, what we want is we want a Christianity that works. We want a Christianity that is the truth and what edifies and builds up our souls in the truth. We don't want a Christianity that is dead. Why would we want that? Why would we want a dead form of Christianity? We all see what dead Christianity produces in the land. We all know the errors of the ways of people who are following after sin in the deadness of a form of Christianity that is filled with all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of sin. And we know that these things quench the life of the Holy Spirit. And it is only staying and abiding with Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth, in your calling that he has called you, that is life eternal. If you found that calling that God has for you in your life, the thing he has you working at with your hands, the thing he has you preoccupied with as you are also building his kingdom, you will be edified and built up in the truth of your calling as you are obediently obeying God's voice. 
and what he's saying to you in Scripture. And so this is what's important in staying away from all forms of leaven. It is so important to stay away from leaven because leaven, again, quenches the Holy Spirit. So we endeavored to present this data in the King James Mystery Babylon Connection that there was leaven in this passage of Scripture in Acts 12. It is a small form of leaven, but it is nonetheless declaring to us those who were involved in translating that leaven into the Bible. And some have come out and pointed that even Francis Bacon, the Freemason, was part of the translation committee of the King James Bible. And truly, these are all presuppositions that people need to think soberly about. We literally heard recently one of the proponents, this Dr. Scott Johnson, who is a chiropractic doctor, say that God can use these men who did the translation of the Bible, the King James Bible, and even speak to them about changing the original intent of what God actually transmitted to the apostles. We know the word was Passover, but Scott Johnson goes out of his way and says that men filled with the Holy Spirit, supposedly in the translation committee of the King James Bible, had the authority and the right to change Passover to Easter. Easter, which is the proper translation. Now, we're going to look at why is that. Here's the answer. Passover is not the correct translation of Pascha in this single New Testament passage. Now, again, this is one of those come let us reason together, say it the Lord. Okay, this is one of those things where if all you had, if all you had was the Greek to go by, you'd get messed up. I'm sorry, but you would. But if the Holy Spirit can guide a person to translate a Bible, then he can correct for these types of errors. And it's not an error, but he can correct for these types of things. But if the Holy Spirit can guide a person to translate a Bible, then he can correct for these types of errors. And it's not an error, but he can correct for these types of things. As you hear from this audio, he literally says this. He literally says this. That these men that were Freemasons were supposedly filled with the Spirit of God to change the original intent of what God, our Lord Jesus Christ, transmitted to the apostles. And this is a form of seduction. We've told you in the past that Scott Johnson makes a lot of erroneous conclusions, especially when it comes to the Nephilim heresy, the promotion of the parallel ideas that the Gnosticism of rudimentary ancient philosophical mystery religion societies were promoting these ideas and concepts of hybrid angelic interbreeding with women. And we showed you in that video that Scott Johnson makes a lot of really erroneous conclusions. He's sort of so caught up in a type of zeal that is without knowledge that he knee-jerks in many of the things he says. Something we need to be warned about. That sober thinking is what the Bible calls us 
to be doing. We need to be soberly thinking about the things we're saying. And the way we do that is by having a relationship with God that is intimately dependent and in of necessity to be listening to him. And this is what we're going to be talking about here in John chapter 6, beginning with verse 53. Verse 53 declares to us the relationship of God that we need to have. And we come back to John chapter 6 because it explains to us what Scripture is telling us from the very beginning of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 6 is a beautiful, beautiful chapter. It is probably my favorite, one of my favorite, if not the favorite, most favorite part of the Gospel of John for me. It's hard to pick which is your favorite part, but this certainly John 6 has helped me throughout my Christian life so much because it gives me the spiritual principles that I have to be abiding in, and it tells it to me clearly. And in the face of so many deceptions and lies and apostasy, we can come back and we can see clearly what it says. Now, we're going to be looking here at three translations, but they're all based on the Texas Receptus, King James. we got the literal King James 3 translation here. We have the King James Plus, and we have the one that shows the present tenses. And this is important because we need to see what the Scripture is saying about drinking and eating the blood of Christ. We know spiritually speaking, the Lord said, as he tells us clearly here in verse 53, Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourself. You see, this is what is so important. It is not necessarily holding on to an English translation. That is the most important thing. The most important thing is drinking this living blood of God that is coming by the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is ultimately what it's talking about here. It is talking about the fact that Jesus Christ, our Lord, sitting at the right hand of the Father, is making intercessory work for us so that we could come to understand what the gospel is. What is it that God wants to explain to us about the gospel of Jesus Christ that he gave his life for? It is this living bread, it is this living blood that teaches us to have rational minds about what the scripture is saying to us, to be sober, to be diligent in our calling. And here the Lord says, you have to drink it, his blood, and you have to eat his flesh. We know this is typologically speaking of the word that is feeding us, that is the flesh of the Son of Man, and the blood which cleanses us and washes us from all our sin. And through this cleansing blood, and through this word that comes from heaven, that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, so that we can come to understand the meaning of the text of Scripture. 
And God can teach us and disciple us and lead us into the truth more and more every day as we are practicing this eating and this drinking. This is something that has to be done from the very beginning of being born again in a Christian's life. A Christian must experience the new birth, and this is it right here. It is the aspect of coming to have your sins forgiven, that is drinking the blood of Jesus Christ, spiritually speaking, as the Lord spoke in parabolic language, and eating his flesh. That is to say, he will lead you to his words. He will lead you to his words. And he will lead you in such an intimate way that the following verse in verse 54 declares how intimate the Lord leads us. It says in the King James Literal 3 translation so that we can understand clearly the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says the one eating my flesh, actively eating it, presently eating it, daily communing in the word of God, and the one drinking my blood, the one being washed away from his Adamic nature and his Adamic sins, has everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. We see that from one verse to drink, you go to the second verse and you go from drink to drinking. This is your forensic justification. You have drunk. And now that moves as the byproduct of salvation into the first fruit desire of drinking, drinking more and more of the everlasting life that God the Father has through the only begotten Son of God. The same with eat and eating. You see it right here? You first eat, that is, you come to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is, you are regenerate, you are born again, and then you desire, by the grace of God, to be eating, to be eating God's word, to be eating his flesh. Why does the Lord say to eat his flesh? Do you know it is his flesh that he gave, that he crucified on the cross to give you the covenant of the word of God that we have codified, that the earliest Christians handed down to us? It is his flesh he gave. And this flesh is the flesh of the covenant of God being ratified in the sacrifice burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the one eating his flesh and drinking his blood has, possesses everlasting life. And the Lord has promised to raise him up at the last day. You see, when we talk about people losing confidence, if you are a King James onlyist and you're listening to my words right now, our intent was not to make you doubt God's word because you have a presupposition about God's word being an infallible English language translation. Our intent is to help you, to edify you, and to show you that this is what eternal life is. It is not holding on to an English translation. It is eating the flesh and drinking the blood 
of the living Lord Jesus Christ as he is speaking his word to you, as he is leading you. You see, this eating and this drinking here is also reflective of how you are following the Lord Jesus Christ. It is reflecting how you are walking in this world. You know, it is how you walk in this world. It is the footsteps that you walk in this world that will determine whether or not you can be edified. If you are walking in sin, there's only one thing to do, that is repent. You cannot be edified abiding in a sin. The Holy Spirit is holy. He will not bear witness to the truth of God if you are giving your vessel over to sin. You must be cleansing yourself in the drinking of the blood of Christ. And God will lead you to be eating his flesh, which is understanding his word. For the Lord says, my flesh is true, truly food, and my blood is truly drink. He's trying to convince us that the living words of God, that God leads us into, the living understanding of being known of God and knowing God is true food and true drink. It is that which gives us life. It is nothing else. There is no life, as we have said in the empty, vain promises of Mystery Babylon. There is no life in the flatteries of those who promote themselves as having life in the world. The vain faces of Hollywood and Mystery Babylon, the promotions of these mind control slaves, these poor lost souls that do not realize the error of their ways. There is no life in all of that. There is only life in the true food and in the true drink. That is Jesus Christ speaking to us concerning his word. When God speaks to you, he will quicken you by his Holy Spirit, and you will be truly abiding as sons of the living God. This is what John 6 is telling us that is so important in the life of a Christian, in the life of believing ones who are following after Jesus Christ. The following verse, verse 57, says, Even as the living Father sent me, I live through the Father. Also the one eating me, even that one will live through me. It is such intimate union that the Lord Jesus Christ is describing to us. We're going to have to live through the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot live any other way. We are living in complete dependence and intimate fellowship, communion with the Lord. It requires time. It requires you having ears to hear, the hearing of faith, the preaching of the gospel, the word of life. And as the Lord Jesus Christ lived through the Father, even us eating the words of God, we will live through the Lord Jesus Christ. We will live through his intercessory work. This is what it's telling us that Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father is causing us by believing faith to live through him. To live through him 
is the grace of God being appropriated to us as God sees our believing faith, as God sees us eating and drinking the blood that causes us to abide in him. You saw what it said here in verse 56, the one eating my flesh and drinking my blood abides in me and I in him. God will make sure that you walk in intimate union with him. He will make sure that if you are drinking his blood and eating his flesh, that is his pure word, you will stay, remain, and continue in him, in intimate union with him, with all the riches and knowledge and wisdom and understanding and revelation of God being yours as he reveals to you little by little the things concerning his kingdom. The one eating his flesh and drinking his blood, verse 56, abides in him, and he will be in us. Even as the living Father sent him, sent me, and I live through the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ says. Also the one eating me, and the one, even that one, will live through me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as your father ate the manna and died. The one partaking of this bread will live to the age, the age of eternal life. That is the idea here. It is a perpetual age of eternal life. The age to come, as you see here, it is aeon into the age of this partaking of the bread in eternal life, in the kingdom of God, in heaven, we are going to be always eating the words of God straight from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful state and bliss of eternal life that God is going to give us to enjoy, to be eating fresh words out of the mouth of God and to be having eternal life with him is going to be beyond what our minds can comprehend right now. Heaven is going to be beyond what we can understand. But it will be this active partaking of this bread in eternity's heaven that God will make sure he gives us. Because he promised that if we are eating and drinking his blood, he will raise us in the last day. And this bread that came down out of heaven, this is the Lord Jesus Christ who delivered the words of God to the apostles, is what we're applying diligence in all sobriety to find out really what is it. This is why we've recommended that English onlyism must be rejected. Because what God actually transmitted is not for any man to be playing around with. It is the pure bread that came down from heaven. It is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ transmitted to the apostles that they saw, that they heard, that they held concerning the word of life. And it was not as that manna, that type of manna in the desert that the Israelites grew tired of eating. But this one is a life that is eternal life. And this is what is important in the Christian life. It is so important to understand that holding on to English translations is not 
the most important thing to be doing. We do want to have an accurate English translation. We don't want to abide in really watered-down translations like the message. That is pointless and useless because there's so much leaven in there. But there are translations and there's ways, as we have said, for us to learn and correct what are the mistakes of men. And so that way, when we read our Bibles and we see what God is saying to us, our souls can be edified. But the presupposition inevitably comes around and people like to say, why is it that God did not preserve his word? How can it be that God did not preserve his word in English? Well, the presupposition is that God needs to preserve his word in English. He is telling us right here in John how he preserves his word in you by giving you eternal life. The preserved word is the one who is eating the flesh and drinking the blood of the Son of Man, and God is allowing them to be an intimate, abiding fellowship with him. That is the preserved word. The preserved word is you preserving it in your life. What good is it if you hold up a translation of the Bible and you say this is the preserved word of God and it's filled with errors and leaven? Can that leaven edify you? No, it can't. But what can edify you? The only thing that can edify you is the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith of rightly understood and rightly translated and rightly preached words from God. That is what edifies you. That is what preserves you. That is the preserved word of God. The one eating my flesh, verse 54, and drinking my blood has everlasting life, is preserved in everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. You see, the preserved word of eating the flesh and drinking the blood of attaining everlasting life is what preserves you to the last day. Is preserving a translation in the English Bible what God has promised? No, he has not promised that. He has promised to preserve you as you are believing the right understanding of what the supernatural gospel is in your life. That is how God preserves his word. He wants to preserve it in your life. God wants you to be preserved in such a way where you're following after the Lord Jesus Christ and you are edified and built up in the truth of God. He is not so much concerned with English translations. He is concerned with you attaining the state of grace in eternal life. That is what he is concerned about. He's concerned that you are abiding, remaining, and continuing in that. That is what he told us here. To abide in him is the one eating his flesh and drinking his blood. To be abiding in him, to be remaining in him, to be continuing in him, to be following after him. And so this is the bread that God gives you when it comes down from heaven and you are partaking of it. You see right here, we were told in verse 58, 
the one partaking of this bread will live forever into the age of eternal life is the idea here. And this is what many of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ could not hear. Many, it says in verse 6, then many of his disciples having heard, they said, this word is hard. Who is able to hear it? You see, there are people who have their priorities wrong. And that's why they cannot hear the living word and the principles by which the Lord Jesus Christ has given us an understanding of how we are supposed to be intimately abiding close to him so that we are able to hear his word. It is the living word. In the culture of the Jews and Israel, there were two aspects to this word, the living word. There was the oral word that they had and that they preached. And the context of Scripture is that there is an oral word being preached by the apostles. And this oral word has been written down in Scripture as the New Testament. And it will be this ultimately that believing Christians will be looking and studying to find out what it is, even as the words of Scripture are very hard. They are very hard because God is calling us to purge ourselves from sin by his grace. But when we allow the grace of God to mold and shape our heart's desire to be fashioned and to be conformed to his image, and we are encouraged by other believing Christians to follow after the same rule, to follow after believing faith, to follow after eating and drinking the manna that comes from heaven, we will find that God will give us the overcoming life that he has promised. What it means to have the preserved word is to understand that the one eating the word and the one drinking the forgiveness, cleansing, eternal life of the Lord Jesus Christ poured out in his blood are the ones who are preserving the word because they are in a state of eternal life pleasing to God. That is what you should strive after. You should strive after seeking eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has given the gospel as a simple message of believing faith. And the gospel message itself is a simple calling. And this calling is to be believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and following through with his words. Holding on to presuppositions of King James onlyism, they will not help you in the long run because God will honor the word that is delivered from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is in heaven. And when God begins to speak and deliver to you the truth of the word of God, you will see how it builds you up and edifies you into everlasting life. That's how you'll know you have the truth. You won't know it because somebody else is convincing you. You will know it because you will see eternal life in your life. You will see that you have newness of life. You will see that you have resurrection life in Christ because you have been eating and drinking the food 
and the drink that comes from heaven. You will see how you are built up, and you will see how the vain, empty words of people who are misinformed and deceiving others on purpose, how their words do not edify you and build you up. Because eternal life is gained by believing faith. It is a simple thing to be doing. Appropriating your believing faith, God will give you grace. It is part of what God does when he begins a work in a person's life. He follows through by giving them the desire to be eating and drinking by believing faith so that they may obtain eternal life, the very gift of God freely given by grace. God will work it all out for you. And our endeavor here is to help you prioritize what is important in your life. May the Lord help you guys all to be built up and be encouraged that God is faithful. God will not cause you, if you are seeking him in spirit and in truth, to fall away in any way. He will make sure to preserve you if you are a true Christian. And that should be your hope and your anchor for your soul. That it is God who has you and God who will lead you into eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.